Plot, The Eyes of Me, 2009. Action, Adam, written by Anonymous. An up-close look at four teens who have lost their sight. Set in Austin, TX. This film follows their high school experiences of dating, academic responsibilities, fitting in, family problems and preparing for college over the course of one dynamic year. Voice over off. When you're blind and watching movies, what will you find? A blind superhero whose superpowers are acting like he's not blind. A sighted actor overdramatically touching people's faces. Or maybe the whole joke is that they're bumping in to different places. A spectacular, macular generation. Welcome to Citizen White Cane. Um, this is the podcast that is also a non-accredited film school for the blind. Um, I'm your professor, Sky McLeod. Oh, dear. Uh, I'm your willing student, Melissa Buckta. Oh, you? I, I think you're also going to be at least a professor, if not a lecturer. <laughs> oh, I'm def- you could be a lecturer if you want, but Maybe. you should be at least part of the teaching staff. Oh, sure. Okay. Well, I can be I can be your adjunct professor then, because okay, okay. I only took one film class in college. So, Well, well, I, well actually, I took three. Three if you there can't. you go. Maybe maybe there's. A I mean, we're more. non-accredited, so it's fine. They're cool. Well, I didn't get a degree. I just took all the classes for it. Thought cool. Then I will be. I will be a professor too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank Cla- you. Classes in session. <laughs> um. Yeah. And we are talking about movies today. Though today we're talking about. Um. Also, I picked that because it was. Uh. We're talking about a movie that's a documentary that is also about a school for the blind. Yes. Uh, we saw The Eyes of Me this week. It was yes. your pick. Yes. This is going to be a very interesting conversation because we're not talking about characters yeah. that someone has written or enacted. We're talking about real human beings. So we'll see. We're like really trying to play with the form early on just to test the water, see if this is interesting or not. No, I, <laughs> I, I enjoy documentaries. and Well, in general, but I, I think it's a good idea to talk about documentaries that involve blind people yeah because it's it is being seen it, it that's you know you, you feel that's how I felt when I was watching it is I oh I get I understand the struggles that these kids are going through because mm. I went through similar situations yeah definitely and I think also like the when we talk about representation and stuff and with fictional things there is it's rarely written by blind people so you kind of have that there's so much lost in translation whereas here though there's you know a film crew and an editor so that really does shape it and if that's a sighted person that's going to shape it in a lot of ways but you're still at least having a lot more like just actual blind people from like it's coming from a place of reality obviously it's a documentary but like you know that there is there's a less of the hand of God of like filmmaking that can like completely rewrite the experience of blindness fun yes fun fact the director of this documentary went on to direct the documentary Tower oh I've not seen what is that oh it's so good so Tower talks about the incident that happened at a Texas university when a sniper 
went up to the top of the clock tower and basically just opened fire oh on, on the campus. It's it's horrible. That, I don't think I can watch that. It's a really well done documentary. I saw documentary. Elephant by Gus Van Zandt and I'm like, I can't. That's it. I can't do it. Well, that yeah, yeah. It's a that's fictional, but but yeah. if you're if if uh, if you want to, the to- uh, tower is an amazing documentary. It's not easy to watch, but it's it's amazing, and I I it makes sense because this documentary also imply uh, uses rotoscope, which oh, yeah. yeah, which is what uh, a lot of the tower is filmed in is is rotoscope. All the reenactments oh, are done in rotoscope. Yeah, that's I guess I mean. Yeah, that makes sense. I, reenactments are such an odd, like, part of documentary filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an interesting take to have it being rotos- rotoscoped, um, like, because you're kind of like, it, it has that, like, they're always a little bit of an uncanny valley, but it also, like, reenactments are their own kind of uncanny valley. So it right. kind of, like, makes sense. And I think the rotoscope works in that it kind of separates the, the reenactments from the story, yeah, but it's not. It's definitely not used because uh, the reenactments are are not uh, a fictional thing. I mean, these are things that happened from the people coming from the people who lived them, right? So the roto- I don't feel like the rotoscope separates you from yeah. that. It it heightens everything, but right. it doesn't separate this this film. The rotoscoping was really cool, or this documentary, I should say. The rotoscoping was really cool in that it was used to illustrate blindness and yeah. better can is was a better way to show what these characters see rather than trying some stupid special effect or in camera trick or something right so i think the use of rotoscope was used yeah. well it was it was really interesting it's interesting i like that we've now had a decent amount of movies that have attempted to show the perspective of blind people we've had like and they've also we've had a, f- a handful of ways like that they go about doing that um and i thought this one made a lot of sense because you can like yeah you can kind of what they do is though a lot of times it's when someone's describing what they see but it's not always like but there was a a few times where people were saying like this is how the world looks to me and so then the the kind of rotoscoping animation would change and kind of portray that yeah it would it would go black for someone that their eyes completely black out or it would go into fuzzy shapes and colors um grayscale colors for someone who only saw she said she it was like looking through a fog right she just saw vague shapes and outlines right it's definitely it's interesting um because it is it is a formalistic challenge that i think like um it's yeah it's very fascinating to see how different filmmakers um do that differently and it is a it's i think pbs originally it is. It's, yeah. it was released on pbs through independent lens Ooh. and illegal films was one of the production companies which i thought was a funny name <laughs> um but yeah so it is pretty like low budget um oh yeah you can i you could definitely tell that uh this i believe this was his first doc like his first feature film and it feels like it it's not bad it's definitely not bad but you can it's it feels like an independent doc uh also there is audio description permanently embedded in the film i was gonna say and it's and it is badly it is so terrible it's very frustrating i 
oh man, I started this with a real sour taste in my mouth because I'm like, the mixing the mix is, is so horrendously bad. The mix bad. is so bad. That was going to be my number. I was like, should I say so early on that the mix is so no, bad? No, the mixing is like, terrible. Yes. Um, there, there are points where I don't know if the mics were getting feedback or what the heck yeah, happened, like, but there would be double doubling, doubling the audio. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I'm not, I was and, trying to figure out what, and I was like, what the problem was. Is that just a choice? But I, I honestly don't think it was. I don't think it was. No, because I had the exact same thought. And it was just like, it didn't. Because like the first time you hear it, it's like one of the people that were following um, Chaz, who's like a part of his thing is that he is a rapper and like records songs. And I think it was like during one of his songs that it that I that I think it did it the right. first time. But that that is the only time it made sense. Cause I'm like, okay, well, yeah, he's got but, a microphone, the camera has a microphone, maybe we're just getting feedback or he's looping it. Right, or right, or he's looping it. it. Right. Which is why I was like, okay, so maybe that's a stylistic thing or it's like something going on. But then it would happen at the like other very weird the, places the that did not times. have any yeah. sort of that it didn't make any sense. Can I cause I was like, is this about like an accessibility device that's like doing a weird thing but that didn't even make sense either because you would have like you know people were just like talking to mm-hmm. each other and then all of a sudden it would just like for half a sentence be like tripled right and, and then like a weird <laughs> echo and then the and then the audio description comes in and then jazz goes to high I'm just and like, okay, okay, here, you, you know wanna, what? <laughs> here, let's demonstrate. I'll be I'll be the blind person, you be the audio description. I'll be like someone in the documentary talking. Okay, so I am a rapper like and I and make songs. This is the song that I make. La 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 la. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. It is literally terrible. It's I I almost wish it wasn't there. I'm well, just like, it, I would rather have it not be there than be bad. Yeah, it's really like, and it, because it, they waited until, I mean, mostly they waited until people weren't talking, but like the music was so loud and the music was too loud in the mix. Yes, the music was way too loud. The only good thing about the audio description is when you could hear it, that it would read you signs and all of the text that appeared in the film. Right. There's not a huge amount of text, but there is a fair amount of text that I would have had trouble reading had it not been for well, the audio the very description. And they do the documentary thing. This is, you know, what happens in right, the filming. Right. And like, there's one of them I couldn't really hear at it's all. Isaacs. And, yeah, Isaacs. Yes, exactly. They just yes, like, yes. <laughs> it's so and it just sad. peters out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that you yeah. can't actually. So I don't know whatever happened to Isaac. <laughs> no, I. Um, you kind of sort of gather it from context. context. But I, yeah. I, do we want to get into the actual like people in the movie or like sure so our like the like our handy handy dandy voiceover said the documentary follows four high schoolers um two who are seniors maybe three i'm not sure if isaac is a senior or not no two who are seniors and two who are um either sophomore or junior it's really not stated i think yeah i'm not sure yeah it's fall it follows four kids isaac Chaz, denise and megan and they all attend the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired. In Austin, right? Yes. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. Is it Austin or Dallas? I think it's Austin. I think it's Dallas. Okay. Okay, I mean, we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. we get to see each of their... Well, home life to some extent, though they it's like a boarding school, so a right. lot of people do actually live there. Chaz is the one that doesn't, um, yeah, but she, he lives in an apartment with a with a roommate with a roommate. Yeah, at the beginning of the film, right? I mean, these kids, it's it's really interesting because these kids definitely do not have uh, they they're not perfect. 
Yeah. I mean, obviously nobody is perfect, but these kids, you get to see just all of the intimate details of their lives. Well, they're like just kind of also teenagers. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they're going they're through everything. They're imperfect in the way that mm-hmm. all teenagers are mm-hmm. imperfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's, it is, I mean, I, it's fascinating because it is something that like, I just, my experience is so far from getting to do something like that. I was so cut off from any other blind people. Me too. So it yeah. is like amazing to think, but then there's also a question of, I wonder how the education is different for them because like they didn't like you know because i don't have a lot of faith in this country and so hopefully it was a good education but you do wonder sometimes i think when you have like a school that's made for certain disabilities there's the the bar is set lower because of that and And but you don't know you can't really tell definitely don't think that it looked like a really nice school and it looked like they were getting a a decent education. I I really don't think. Well, that did we see them? This was a terrible school. It didn't look terrible. No, no, one, it definitely didn't. Know. I mean, I don't know if we saw really the. We didn't actually get to see a class though. Like we didn't see you them really see, do we any. Saw, well, you you saw parts of classes with Megan especially, and then you saw the, uh, the student council meeting. You saw a bit of that, right. and but that doesn't necessarily like that's kind of neutral. I don't think yeah. like nothing in the film made it seem like it was a bad school at all. Uh, but I don't. I don't think anything really spoke to the quality of the education. Right, but I don't think you can just assume that all schools for disabled people are just lower. No, like, no, I, I, I don't I don't assume that. I, I wish I knew more about the if that was true. Like I just like there that is a concern that I have because I think that it is an important thing to balance out. Because, I mean, like, because, you know, there is an argument of, like, segregation and, like, and I think segregation, just like with race and ability, like, you just are like, well, it's blind people, so we can expect less of them. You know, and they have all sighted teachers, so, like, we didn't see any blind teachers. So the, so the kind of advocacy is, we don't, there's no guarantee that there's advocacy for the, like, quality of education for the students, like, and and but this is like I want to be clear I don't know but I wish right, that there was right. more of a sense of like it because you really there was very little um, footage which I guess makes sense like because you know you don't need to hear a lecture on it like was, World War Two or you know like no, that's not helpful this, to the movie. This documentary, <laughs> yeah, no, this documentary was a focusing on the kids, not the school. If it was a documentary about the school, I think it would be a lot different. Yeah, but this is that's not the story that this that the filmmaker wanted to tell. He wanted to tell the story of these four kids. Yeah, yeah. It was something that I, that was definitely on my mind throughout the whole mm-hmm. film. And so that's that's kind of why I think I'm saying it right now. But it definitely, but yeah. it definitely does bring up your experience, especially if you're a blind person watching this film, which we both were or are. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking about what my, ed- you know, comparing my education to this. I didn't go to a special school. The only special school I, I remember going to was preschool. I did go to a special needs preschool but after that i went to just regular good old sighted able school yeah and i don't i don't necessarily think it was a detriment but i'm not gonna sit here and tell you that it was easy or fun no it was hell yeah i especially yeah especially when you hit middle school and high school yeah and the work becomes impossible because you're just like you just don't have the ability to do the work and well, no one has the ability to accommodate you enough. Or, well, that was my experience. So. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Um, for me, it wasn't necessarily about the work, if, if it, unless it was math, but that's a whole other story. But no, for me, it wasn't necessarily about the work. It was the people. 
Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't the teachers. It, it literally was the other kids. I when There were only three or four of us blind people. Yeah, at, same in, in, my, in my high school. Yeah, and I don't, and I, none in my middle school. I think I was the only person with a cane. I know, actually, I know I was the only person with a cane because my middle school was tiny. But oh, yeah, my high school is tiny and I didn't go to middle school. So mm-hmm. that's, yeah. But, but yeah, so being the only blind person or or being one of like three mm-hmm. which is and you, experiences mm-hmm. and in the film you get to see kind of you do get to see both sides of the coin there's the blind school where everybody is blind visually impaired and learning and yeah. then and you feel you don't feel ostracized you feel like a person you are a part right. of this community and then some of the other students two of them um one by choice and one not so by choice, end up going to a regular high school, a, yeah. a quote-unquote abled high or school. Or did one, isn't it that one went to, like, the Isaac who gets kicked out yes. has to go to a yes, regular so. high school because mm-hmm. he has to. But yes. then the other one is, Take, who, isn't it that... It's Megan. Megan, and she's, but she had, like, before had been, right? Like, it yeah, was that she, she went to the blind school after being at a normal high well, school? Well, she, right? she went to the blind school and then she went to the normal school to take supplemental classes. Oh, so she chose to. Yeah. So she chose to do that. And but you do get to see with Isaac, especially when he has to go to to regular school, you get to see how absolutely ostracized someone like him is. That was definitely the most poignant. Yeah. Because he even says, you know, I'm I'm the only person at my school with a cane. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And he's just like sitting alone. Right. Right. I mean, I was one of three or four people in my high school with a cane. And then when I went to the U, I was one of me. (laughs) That's it. I was the only person in the, in the entire university to use a cane. So oh everybody gosh. everybody knew who I was. Wow. Because I I was the I was the girl with the cane and I didn't start using my a cane until middle school. Right. And I didn't I have no experience of being in school and having a cane. So it's great and it sucks all at the same time. I could it's see that because that's not having a cane is the same way because people don't ever know what's going on with you and they always treat you differently and you the amount of times during school like and I I mean I wasn't diagnosed till I was 15 so I didn't even get to do this until like halfway through high school but like I had to explain so much and it was it's just exhausting because you spend so much of your life being like so I'm blind and when I say I'm blind I'm like not being it's not a figure of speech I'm not like being dramatic I literally can't see but I can see enough to see you right now and I can get around. like you just like the amount of thing like just such basic stuff that not a single person knows and because you don't have a cane like people don't you literally just have to explain it over and over and over and over and, and over again that's that's why I ended up getting the cane my right, my yeah. vision teachers had to beg my parents to let me have a cane because I grew up sighted and they didn't think that I needed one but Wait. Most of my day was spent either trying to pass as a sighted person or finally not being able to do something and finally having to give up the ghost and explain, I can't see, I'm blind, or uh, being asked every day by, by students, you know, why do your eyes wiggle? Look at me. Like, why Why can't, you know, why can't you see? Th- yeah. Things like that. So finally, so that is one of the biggest reasons why I carry a cane. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's the reason I do, yeah. Yeah, it does cut down on the weird conversations. (laughs) Right, because it is unbelievably exhausting. And 
that's shocking that your because my parents wanted me to get a cane but I was worried about the thing that you probably experienced being in school and having a cane because people already did treat me worse because I was blind and people already did a lot of ableist stuff and I just knew that if I got a cane that was going to increase exponentially and so the idea of like I was it was already too much for me to handle the amount of ableism I was experiencing and the idea of experiencing any more I was just like I can't do that once I was out of school I mean the I do think that school is more hostile than the world's like and I think that you just because you have no control over your life and I, I don't know if that's like if that is more of a personal experience I don't know how like universal that is to blind people but that I think for me I found that school is definitely the worst part of my life when it comes to ableism oh no school is terrible yeah (laughs) school is awful it is an awful awful place again you know I graduated this the school system the public education system in 2006 so you know it's 2020 maybe things have gotten better uh but yeah for me school could school was great but when it, it was school was either really great or it was a nightmare hellscape. I mean, I got, you know, death threats for, new, you know, people were going to do horrible things to me with my cane. And I, I don't know these people from Adam. You know, I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I was, I was different. And when, and especially in Alaska where. It's like very libertarian. It, well, <laughs> No, that's not not at all where I was going. Alaska is actually very conservative. Right. Libertarian is conservative because Southern California is the same way and it's horrible because it's (laughs) the most ableist perspective you can have. Sorry. I know that we're like really even with Berkeley being like the center of the disability rights movement. Okay, And Berkeley, I mean, I know the barrier. The Bay Area is ableist. Berkeley is supposed to be like this mecca for disabled people. I didn't people. go to Berkeley because I was like, I'm not going to, a blind person is not going to be welcome here. So I don't know. But that maybe that was just my reading. But the amount of like actual reading you had to do to get a degree there meant that I can't imagine a blind person ever succeeded there. I, I almost went to the San Francisco Academy of Art and design actually for voiceover stuff. Oh yeah. But it costs thousands. That's, I was going to say it's so expensive. Yeah. That's really expensive the school, school is expensive and then to live, they had dormitories but it cost thousands of dollars to just stay in the dorms and my parents were like, no. Yeah, no, living never ever ever live in the Bay Area. Do not unless you're the heiress to some sort of I don't know. You, sorry, I interrupted you though about Alaska. No, it's it's yeah. So I mean, being a Ala- being different and living in Alaska is real hard. Yeah, because there aren't very many people like you. Alaska is not set up for disabled people. Yeah, it is a very it's a it's a very able state because you know what do you do on the weekend? You go hiking. You go get lost in nature. You do you know all this outdoorsy stuff that is really hard for some disabled people to access. Now right. there are really cool programs like Challenge Alaska mm-hmm. that specialize in getting sighted guides for blind and disabled pe- folks to uh, go experience the outdoors. I've gone skiing with them. That was super fun. That's, I never did anything like that. I also just didn't have any, and and we should probably get back to the movie, talking about the, <laughs> the things in the movie. But I mean, I think this is all relevant because this is kind of, as you, much as we relate to the characters, right. this is far from our experience. Yeah. And I mean, you can't, but it's really hard. You can't watch this movie without thinking about your own experience. Yeah, and what it would be like to, to like be in a school like that. Because like, just, I mean, for me being diagnosed at 15, having so little 
you know, like just coming to terms with it was like I was already had to leave college by the time I had started to like fully understand what, you know, it takes a decade to like once you've been diagnosed to like really put it into your identity. And so for me, I guess, oh, I guess that was like a couple years ago that that I was finally drew. I mean, you know, it takes a long time and I just didn't get that time because they it was wasted on Mm -hmm. just not believing me. Um, But yeah, so I think that that's like for me just seeing like oh my gosh to like be in high school and to like just have a social circle to I like I have blind people I there was four people in my school who were blind and I knew all of them and (laughs) tried to like be friends with all of them and I think that that is like something that is so needed and to have that community and I just never used accessibility things because I was like I just it was like well I've already had to like go through school without this stuff and it is a learning curve too and so it was just not worth it when I didn't have the support of a school whereas I feel like I could have like I would have probably done more to learn braille and other things if I had gone to a high school like that. So I had a BVI teacher a blind visually impaired teacher I think starting in the oh man as Except for kindergarten. I think starting wow. in the second or third grade, I, I had my own personal BBI teacher. How and then that? uh it was cool if you got a cool teacher, which I did. I had I had three really cool teachers. Well, I had four. One of them I'm pretty sure the, that man was the devil. But anyway. Oh, that's, not good. <laughs> oh, that's a whole that's a long and involved and very sad story. Oh. Uh but the three ladies I had were super cool. And um Especially uh, Victoria, who was my high school BBI teacher, because she got it. I mean, she just, she got it. You know, she was, she like just, supportive. We, we, she was incredibly supportive. I mean, she also had a, has a son who has Asperger's. Okay. So she, you know, she, I, it's so hard to put into words. She just gets it. She, was it she like kind of me. emotional support as well as like the yeah, actual every, education support? Everything. Like we could joke around and goof off and, you know, say fuck and, you know, just be, you know, say bad words That's and just awesome. be people. That's she, really awesome. Yeah, she was, she truly was my best, is my best friend when she was my teacher. Yeah. You know, she, she still taught me things. I mean, I know how to cross streets and get around and ride the bus and everything because of her. That's awesome. But, you know, I remember more going over to her house and goofing off and drinking tea and you know (laughs) shooting the shit or whatever so yeah so I had that kind of education then I had AIDS more in middle school I remember having AIDS than I remember than I did in high school I don't think I had any AIDS in high school um so what what is it just for like in class yeah so it was like in class note they'd help with note-taking Oh, okay. They would help describe things that were on the board. They would help me um, do, do my work, take tests. I mean, they never helped me cheat or anything. But like, did that affect me. your social life? Do you think? I mean, it's hard um, to say. No, that's a good question. Yes and no. So I, except for the blind friends I had, especially when it came to middle school and high school, I just didn't make friends very easily. I just stopped making friends because I couldn't, no one could relate to me and I couldn't relate to anybody else. You know, I was the, I I was the fat blind kid who just kept to themselves and I got along much better with all of my teachers. Yeah. 
all I the time did. than any of the the only other students I got along with were my blind friends and we saw each other you know at lunch every now and again or um more during mobility stuff because oh, instead, yeah. instead of gym I had mobility training after school except for my senior year when they were like oh yeah so all your gym credits they uh they, all your mobility hours they won't count towards your uh, gym credit what for me, for me to graduate so I would have graduated summa cum laude but I had to take gym and I got a C and that that kept fuck? me that kept me from graduating with honors. I will never I that's, will never let that go. No, I would never let that go either. I'll what never the let fuck? it go. That's just it's so, so fucking stupid. Ableist and also just completely ridiculous and then what what, what could you have done? Like no, nothing. What the fuck? It was either not take the class and not graduate. So and my gym teacher did nothing to make to Things adapt successful. anything. Yeah, I never yeah, had that. Yeah, I hated gym. Gym was a problem starting in elementary school yeah me too. for me it yeah. gym is nightmare inducing it is awful i've had it is traumatizing I, yep i had one awesome gym teacher in middle school who, who was super cool and got me but any uh well and i had another really awesome gym teacher in my second elementary school because i changed schools my but my very first experience with a gym teacher uh was just terrible it would yeah. be tra- to the point of traumatization I can't imagine a blind person who wasn't traumatized at some point during schooling through gym. It's a really messed up thing because there's so much sports stuff that you like. That's it. It can be hazardous. Mm-hmm. And there's if you're not going to make it accessible, you should not be expecting blind people to do it. And they usually don't try. Yeah. So, no, they ne- I've never heard of someone trying yeah, so unless you, it's like a blind school maybe. You either, Yes. So you either try and fail, which, you know, everybody's going to fail. Uh, and then get mercilessly bullied and teased by the other kids. Yep. Hey. Or you sit on the sidelines with a book and just don't do anything. So, hey. Was that an option? Do you <laughs> no. know to do that? No, I wish. I was like, that's what no, I would do if that I was an option. I know, right? No, 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 no. When no, I no. had like I undiagnosed asthma and it was also like in Southern California. So I and I get heat stroke at the drop of a dime. It is takes nothing. I've gotten heat stroke in a, you know, snowstorm. It's very easy for me to get heat stroke. So I it was it was beyond hellish. I think part I'm like trying to think of stories. And I'm like, oh, these are all things that I have locked away and I don't want to talk about it because it's traumatizing. <laughs> Oh yeah, like, section no. of my brain. <laughs> yeah, nope, definitely, definitely not, definitely not. No, thank goodness for for my gym teacher in at my second elementary school because he actually gave a shit, which was awesome. It's still unfortunately the damage had been done. Right. And when I got to uh, middle school and high school, there was just no, it there's just no going back. Um, yeah. Luckily, I didn't have to do anything like stereotypically like dodgeball or. Wait, you didn't ever have to do dodgeball? No, I never. I don't. I don't ever remember doing dodgeball. Wow. Thank goodness. It just at least you're inside for dodgeball, and the trick to dodgeball is you sit at the corner. Mm, that's true. And you just let everyone else fucking dodgeball. Just wasn't a thing. I don't know if it if it was the particular schools that I went to, or if it's just in Alaska, it's just not a thing. Dodgeball's just not a thing. It's <laughs> we didn't, definitely we didn't a thing in Southern California. It's like the main one everyone wants to play. Oh my god, fuck dodgeball. No, that one at least is a blind. 
my my not as much but like my kind of blindness I feel like that one's a little bit easier because it's indoors and so that means I'm not because once the sun is out I'm just like I can't see anything like I'm really it is truly blinding like I it is impossible for me to see what's going on and so like and then you have like a big field so I'm just like I am literally standing alone in an abyss and that's I mean that is truly what is happening and so like to try to do any sport is truly impossible um and to the point that looking back I'm like they shouldn't have made me do that like it doesn't make any sense because like what they're expecting me to do is just so beyond like what I could physically do but that was just not a consideration that my school is no making. yeah and I don't know I don't know where the where the line is with with stuff like that because I think you know anyone should learn about exercise and how to be healthy and how to do you have to how do to do like these things in a way that is going to be helpful yes oh absolutely because yeah. all I was doing was making was affecting my social life because you have to like be on a team with people and you physically can't do the thing they're expecting you to do so then you are letting other people down it's like a really fucked up right. thing to no, do to someone I, yes <laughs> and then and then you know you're the last one picked or no one wants to pick you at all or you are you know, brought to the point of tears and just yeah. you sob through the through the entire class it's so. like yeah no it's it's i feel it like we need to do like a mindfulness and meditation in the middle <laughs> yes. of this just to like ground ourselves oh my god talking about it, a high school gym is like and so yes <laughs> and nobody nobody in gym ever brings up adaptive sports oh yeah it's just not a thing there are so many adaptive ways to adapt sports for blind visually well, impaired and folks. And even in the movie we see them do some stuff. They mm-hmm. we see them do sports like they run. Yep. They do some running where it's track like track and field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like holding on to the there's like a thing you can hold on to to see where Oh the you're gu- going. the guideline. Yeah, I've yeah, done yeah, yeah. I've done track and field well, like that. Cuz haven't yeah. you you went to like blind kid camp, right? Yeah. I've like never gone to ever do anything oh my God, organized it was with so, blind people. It was so fucking cool, dude. The, I went I could only go for 2 years cuz I kind of sort of aged out of the program and the third the third year I was supposed to go, I got chickenpox. Oh no. Or at least we thought I had chickenpox and I had to miss camp. But as much as I was upset about that, I was already camping with my family anyway, so it was, it was fine. But yeah, no, the two years that I went, it was amazing because we learned not only are there just all these awesome sports that are made for blind and visually impaired, there are tons of ways that you can adapt sports. Right, uh, to be accessible. To, yeah, to be more accessible. Right, and I think that that's like, and I think that, that also like is at the heart of the movie. It's just like... The fact that if you're not getting a bunch of blind people together, that people are unwilling to make things accessible on an individual level. And, um, you know, I think Southern California, Alaska, Texas, all extremely, like, libertarian conservative places where people are not going to accommodate you. Like, and there's not a sense of if you have a diverse group of people, you want to make everyone feel welcome. Like, if you have a diverse group of people, you want to make the people who have the most access to whatever's going on feel welcome, and then everyone else can fucking figure it out. Like, and that is the mentality I think in all three of those places. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the sense I get. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, that's, I mean, Alaska, that's pretty much it yeah figure it out (laughs) right exactly i mean like there's a certain it's a very like specific american thing that i I really do think southern california alaska and texas might be the most of all in the whole country too i'm like this (laughs) i maybe like some other like 
place maybe like I don't, Colorado I don't know. or something but it is yeah I don't know it because I think a lot about the these little tiny 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 towns you know wherever I mean my folks live in Rice Lake Wisconsin there is nothing in Rice Lake Wisconsin for you if you're a disabled person right there's nothing there's no public transportation so how are you gonna get around there's no uber so you know what 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 are you going to do yeah there's that's a lot of the country i mean like i guess maybe now uber and lyft are maybe going out to places that like because growing up in southern california i didn't have any options like and that was partly because like it was way before a time of uber lyft so i just didn't have the ability to get around ever and so i had to depend on other people just for kind of really basic like transportation stuff that i just couldn't even imagine having to do now just because it's so it like unreasonable to expect someone because people always got their license when they were 15 because they were like and people who were 13 were like I can't live this way like I have so little independence I can't do anything which is why like by the time people were 15 they instant they could get a permit they did and that was always my dream um so like you know up until the week before I my birthday I which is when I was diagnosed or the week before my half birthday since 15 and a half and that was when I was diagnosed so I never got to drive but I was looking for I mean it was the only thing I cared about Mm -hmm. um for about a year and a half before that um and because it just meant is the ability to be a human being or not be a human being and and that's yeah I mean it definitely and that kind of thing just makes it seem like you can't really ask for things either because it's just like if such basic stuff is just going to be denied you and that no one because I would also have people be angry at me because I needed to get somewhere and they were like I don't want to have to drive you around I'm like okay cool I don't like I don't want that either like this is not but you can drive like and that is not a thing that I get to keep doing like when I'm not around like and so there it just made all the friend dynamics like there was just an inherent power imbalance and and also everyone was annoyed with me because I needed riots and I was like okay this is great like this is not a thing I can control you know and so it's just like one of those things where you don't ask for anything at that point because you know that that's not that doesn't lead to anywhere good so you'll just do anything that you could possibly figure out how to do you'll do like even if it's like you know gives you a really bad headache or something you know like you just you just try to figure it out because you know that it's worse to ask for help at least that was my experience (laughs) um but yeah I mean yeah we should time on the movie so don't get too far down these rabbit holes of like stress but yeah I mean I think going to a non-blind high school is is traumatizing and and so having that experience does there's still so much value for them i feel like but do we want to talk more about the characters yeah so so um like we said we meet we meet uh our four kids who at the beginning of the film uh, are all attending the the school for the blind yeah and we meet Chaz, who uh like you said is living in an apartment uh with a roommate he's all about his music yep and and his mom also um, was vision impaired because he has a yes. genetic condition. So yes. that's um, a fact about him that mm-hmm. the other characters. So that was interesting, yep. though. It seemed like because he had a not very good relation. Like his mom was not a very like present or reliable person. No, and he he admits that he uh, he lives in the apartment. He basically got legal emancipation when he was right. 17 from his family because he just can't depend on them anymore. Right, right. Nothing ever got done. Yeah, which I mean, I imagine having a lot of like factors that makes you know like 
poverty like we we see how little access to finances he has and like but he also like I think a lot of blind people is very reliable and tries very hard to figure out because that's part of his story well he has to or he's gonna be homeless right exactly and then but then he still winds up homeless because his roommate the abled one doesn't wait was he able or was he also blind no i'm pretty sure he was sighted okay i don't but did you think he was because I, I found it first in the first scene but yeah then the rest i thought of it he i was, thought he was blind but oh but wait the other the other guy you see in the other scenes that's his friend that's one of his other friends oh so his housemate's also blind i oh, thought i you, thought his housemate right. was also blind because they were they're both going to the school it might have been that his because you see his friend because part of it is the housemate is not like is kind of not being very reliable. No, well the housemate skips town. Right. And leaves him to alone the bag, basically. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so that's I think maybe why I didn't keep track of what cuz I think part of it is the audio descriptions didn't actually give you <laughs> I don't think enough info. I mean they weren't they weren't good enough to really keep track of the characters cuz I just assumed if there was another person in the house that was his housemate. Yeah, no, there there were there were a couple of people. Yeah, yeah okay, that yeah. that must have been what you, I But you up. only see his housemate in like one or two scenes because then he bumps, you know, Okay, bounces. that yeah. must have been why I mixed them up cuz I never really got to see what his actual housemate looked like, I think then. Um but yeah, anyway, so well, he we know we know something's up with Chaz when his friend comes over and there's no lights in the apartment and I kind of giggled cuz I'm like, "Aha, you know, he, he, they don't right, need of lights." Course. Like why, they, would, he have why lights? would they need li- But there is literally no power in the apartment. Right, cuz he has to like take a cord and bring it into from like the outside of the mm-hmm. complex. Mm-hmm. Um, because he can't pay his electric bill. And that's like to power the computer cuz he doesn't need lights. Um, but he does make music, which, um, I, I liked, I liked that. I liked that a lot of the characters had, like, artistic pursuits. Yeah, uh, we meet Denise, who is turning 16, and she is trying to put herself out there, and she ends up being in the production that the school has of Into the Woods. Yeah. And she gets Cinderella, which is super cool. That's a really cool part. But you get to see her go from this kind of really shy, doesn't you know, not really sure about her environment to this. Um, well, I'm not going to say like, you're a confident young woman because, you know, she's still trepidatious. She reminded you, me of myself so much yeah, at that age. You get to see her grow a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's really, I, um, did you, do you feel, who, which character do you feel like you related to the most? Megan. Nice. I like how we each related to one of the mm-hmm. female characters. Yes. The most. <laughs> I definitely was not valedictorian of my class. She was, which was awesome. And I don't have a master's degree, but... Does she get a master's she degree? She does. Oh, yeah. nice. In the, in the where are that. they now things. In the yeah. quiet voiceover. Yeah. Well, that and the thing I read on the internet. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, she, she is... Uh, she, went, she went to college and got her degree in counseling... Okay. Um, mental health stuff. Right. And she is a substitute teaching at the school now. Oh, yeah. I think that might be in the movie. Or actually now, but she's, not only is she, was she substitute teaching, she's actually a staff member now. Oh, is, so but she is, is she a, a teacher? teacher? Okay. Yeah, yeah she's yeah, a yeah, teacher yeah. there now. That's awesome. And that's, because that's really cool, because there wasn't a lot of blind, you didn't, mm-hmm. I don't think we saw any blind teachers there. Or at least it wasn't obvious if they were. Yeah. But I, there was a decent amount of things where I saw people, like, very much using their eyesight 
like as teachers like the the I saw a lot of the staff members like using eyesight and mm-hmm. so it did definitely seem like most well, of the staff was yeah sighted. and I mean you yes and no you don't know I mean because the school is uh blind and visually impaired so I think it's a whole range of of vision but right but I think they're like yes you're right a lot of the staff I think was is sighted Right, because I always assume that they are, and I feel like if you are blind and you're teaching in a blind school, you're not going to bother, like, trying to act like you couldn't see everything. Because I know I'll do the thing where I'm, like, kind of acting like I can see what's going on, but if you're in a blind school, you don't have to do that. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like you would use your in that, if I was in that place, even though I could still see things, I would use my, I wouldn't use my vision at all, basically, because I'd be like, I don't need to. This is like a blind school, you know, like, I feel like that's would be my reaction. But I mean, I guess everyone's different. But, but I do feel like there was a lot of them that it kind of seemed like they were there to like, kind of use their sight or like, we're even telling saying what things might be present like like giving visual information out loud. So like, they were, you know, kind of like a sighted guide person. Mm-hmm too which i don't know i i always feel like you don't need that if you're gonna do all the work of having a blind school you can just have blind teachers i mean like if you're you have to put in all the groundwork to make it accessible to the students sure (laughs) sure but even even the national federation of the blind has cited people run their shop when when we're dealing with when they're dealing with money but do you think that that's a they do you think that's good well they we see megan has a job that uses money yes so that oh that's a that's another subject too so Megan has a job and Chaz gets a job as yes, well. And this is, it's very interesting because it's at two completely opposite ends of, of the spectrum, at least for me. Because uh, I can't say that Chaz's work isn't rewarding work. Like he's getting, he's has a job, he's making money. Right. For me, I could never do that job. I could, it is absolute, I just don't understand how someone could be content with a with a job like that, you sit in a room and you assemble things. All so he works. In a, well, he, he assembles like one thing, right? Because right. it's for military he, equipment. Yeah, he works in this lighthouse warehouse. For the blind. Light, lighthouse. It's called Lighthouse for the Blind. Yeah, and they do things. Um, assembly. It looks like they do a lot of assembly work. So yeah, he assembles chin straps for uh, military helmets. Yeah, I'm not saying that's not important work. It it is. I mean, they need. You know they. You're con- you are contributing. You are contri- yeah. They need their chin straps. You are contributing to society. Like, I am not the judge and jury. If as far as like, is your job good? But I've heard a, a lot of like, I've heard a lot of things about disabled people. That's the jobs that are available and fit for disabled people. And and those jobs are usually run by people who can dictate how much they can they can pay you. So right. a lot of the people who work there are not making minimum wage. Right, because well, this is something that not everyone might, not every able person might know, but it is legal in most states. I think it's a majority of states, so maybe not all, to pay disabled people below minimum wage. Yes. That that is a legal thing mm-hmm. that is true in the majority of states, as you can legally. And I'm sure it's true in Texas. Texas definitely seems like a state where that would be true. Um, but that is a very common thing that I think people who are not disabled are not aware of. Um, but most disabled people, I think, are aware because it is legal. Um, if you if your disability like 
affects the job work, which like literally every single job is made for sighted people. So we always have to like find accommodation. So you could say that about literally any job because it's like no job is completely visionless, you know, like because it's all made for sighted people. So if that's the thing, you can just pay people less than minimum wage legally. Um, so he, yeah. so, so Chaz works there. And yeah, I mean, I can't, I definitely can't come in you know, as this glorious angel and say, I have a better opportunity for you. And this is below you. Why are you doing this? If it's a job that is paying him money, which he needs desperately, then this is his job. Then, and that's what he does. I'm just scared that he, he and people like him and people in that situation are being totally taken advantage of and exploited. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's definitely a possibility. I think that, like, from my experience, like, there's so, like, there's a sense of, like, if you get a disabled person a job done, you know, like, in the social services thing, it's, like, as long as you get them anything, like, it's almost like a job for a blind person is actually the employer's the one who's doing the service, like, mm-hmm. not you. And like, I mean, you are just, like, helping, you know, an employer is helping you out by giving you a job. You know, like, it's not, yeah. And maybe it's just I'm imposing my beliefs and my lifestyle onto Chaz, and that's not fair either. So, so, he, so he works there. Megan has a job. She works at a bistro. And it seems that this bistro... Maybe it's it's run by the school or it's run by people. It's run by a blind person because everything in this bistro, I'm guessing, is adapted for a blind person. The, the cash register talks, right, which is very important. And, and then she's able to get the money in. And I'm not sure what system they have to. I was thinking about that, too. I'm guessing it's all memorization. Like from, from, right, because that would make sense. And then I wonder where you put the money, though. But it's. You would have to ask what what you're being handed if you couldn't see it. Right. But then that seems like that could be a problem. Like, just logistically, like, because someone could just be like, here's, you know, $40 sure. and oh, it's two sure. ones, you Absol- know? Absolutely. Absolutely. You would hope that people uh, would, wouldn't do that to you. Right. You know, but you- I imagine there's, like, there's, I'm sure that there's some... I can't. I I can't imagine they'd be going off. Um, just trust, because you can't trust people. <laughs> well, maybe maybe there's a sighted person who works there also, who like. Um, yeah, I mean, it is. I wish we see that. And I like how it talks, but I was really like, oh, but wait, how does this work? Like, what we don't. This is not enough information to know how this all works. Like, because I really wanted to know that. Because there should be. Um, I wish that there was an answer because this is a big problem blind people talk about you know we can't see money and so it takes a lot of jobs um it makes a lot of jobs inaccessible and because the government is not a government that's willing to actually make the money accessible unlike many other governments right, that do have of, accessible money a lot of countries the bills are different sizes yeah, like denmark um, every single coin, every single bill has a different, you can just, I, it was so amazing. I would have just a bunch of like money in my pocket and I could like literally tell you the amount of money I had just without taking anything out of the pocket, out of my that pocket. Super it's cool. so cool. My mom tried to get me to recognize the different coins by the size, obviously, cause they're all different sizes, but also if you feel on a penny or a quarter or a nickel, they all have different grooves in the sides. 
Oh yeah. Well, there's which are the two that you can't really you can barely tell the difference between. I think is it like quarters and nickels? It's quarters and nickels that trip yeah. me up all the time. I don't. I feel like if the difference is so minuscule that it's it should be better. Like you know, like in Denmark they have like either they are they have a circle in the middle or they don't, and the sizes are very different. Mm. Um. So you know, like they're actually made. It seems like they were made partly to accommodate blind people. Like it. It seems like that is actually the reason why they're like that as opposed to here where it's like with the nick because of how close the nickel and the quarter are it just seems like okay so this is never ever blind people were never thought about even with the coins because there's definitely not this is this was not made like because you could do so much easy stuff to make them easy to tell the difference between but they aren't you know it's extremely hard but yeah because they're almost the same size Mm -hmm. and and I think is the corner like maybe a little bit thicker. There, it's, it's a little it's bit, almost it's a impossible. little bit bigger, and maybe maybe a little thicker. I'm not. I don't know. But it's like um, maybe if you had both of them, you could tell the difference. Oh yeah. But if, if you I just had, have if one, I had both, yeah. Right. If you yeah. just have one, you can't really tell. Yeah. Uh. So, Megan. So Megan works at this bistro, which is super cool. I. It, that's awesome. What a what a neat job. I was just happy to see a cash register that talked because I yeah. had to deal with cash registers. And those are not made for blind people and they don't talk. Yeah, I've had the same problem and it's very, I mean, like for one of my jobs, like a very small part of it is like charging people stuff. And it is, I like have so much anxiety every single time I ever do anything. I'm like, my heart's racing. It's so nerve wracking. Somebody would walk into the visitor center and want to buy something and I just, I'm just like, can I just give it to you? I'm just going to give it to you and you can just leave and you know it's fine it'll be between you and me i will pay for it out of my lunch money don't don't worry about it you want the puzzle you just take it just go although our it's much more modern now but when we first started our our cash register our system was archaic i mean people would people would ask to pay for a credit card and we literally had one of those old um you know the slide things and you put the credit card in and like slide it and get an imprint of the credit card oh my god that's what we were working with it was nuts so That's ridiculous. It, it was very stupid, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. We talked about everybody. Oh, yeah. And then Isaac is the last person. Right. And he is kind of our the awkward duck of yeah. the group. He's just, just him, himself. He's just trying to figure everything out. Well, because he also like went because he winds up getting at the end he winds up getting expelled and having to go to a public school. But I think didn't he start? Didn't he also start? High school in a public school? No, or am I think I he, misremembering he that? was. I think he was always at the blind school, or at least it, for high school. Okay. Yeah, and then maybe he went to a site of middle school. Maybe I think maybe. that might have been what happened. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and apparently <laughs> we don't find out very much, which is interesting yeah. because again, this is not the story that the documentarian wanted to tell. Yeah, but he just kind of glosses over the fact that, like, yeah, Isaac got um, asked to leave the school because of of unwanted physical stuff and i'm just like well no i think they say don't they say like inappropriate inappropriate sorry is, not un, not unwanted i'm but sorry but it's but that's the thing is like inappropriate is so annoyingly vague in which, a way that it's like that mm-hmm. could actually mean two things and one of them is not that big of a deal and one of them is a very big deal which got me thinking about like all these these kids are all high schoolers so and they're in texas so what kind of a right. of a sex ed health education are they getting and also someone in the movie says maybe and maybe it is isaac but someone said you know oh well blind people were very touchy we're very touchy-feely right i'm thinking okay you are 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I don't know. I don't well, know if you, you could need say to, like that. teach consent, not abstinence. And and it seems not very unlikely that in 2008 and 9, Texas was teaching correct, yeah, sexual education. So yeah, I don't know. We, uh, yeah, I, I can't. I can't speak to that. But I I felt pretty bad. I feel like we can deduct him. though. What Texas was doing, <laughs> I think there's a good More chance it was it was very bad sex education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I I kind of felt bad for I kind of felt bad for Isaac, but you know I felt bad for him too. And it just seemed like it seemed like it was probably very problematic. Something problematic happened in a way that we don't we didn't mm-hmm. have any clue I, into I, even I, how it was or what it was. Yeah, I mean if if maybe he was talked to several times by teachers and he just ignored everything that was said. And kept doing whatever he was doing. And then I guess, you know, hey, if you can't keep your hands to yourself, dude, you, know, yeah. you really can't go here. I mean, that, yeah, it is a really hard, it's, yeah, it was annoying how unspecific they made it. So it was very hard to tell. It could have been that, like, it was a consenting other student, like, you know, and that that was, yeah, we just mm-hmm. didn't have any context to it. So that made it kind of weird. But, but yeah, he is sent, uh, he is, asked to leave the the school and he um as far as the end of the documentary he is back on the back on the farm living with his parents right he or right yeah. that and and going to public school yes and going to going to public school yeah which is a very sad thing where he's all alone and and this is also something that um that in Denise's um her kind of arc she talks about how difficult how just shut off from everyone she was when she wasn't at a blind school. I related to her a lot because there's like, she's just very, um, I think just wanted to kind of be seen in a way, like, and felt like she had to conform. But like on her birthday, she was like crying and just being like, it reminded me so much of being that Yeah, age. just being <laughs> surrounded by people who, who not, are like her. Who are like her, but not, she, not only that, but people who acknowledge her as a person. Right, right. And that would have meant the world to me at that age. Like, oh my gosh. And I did not really have that. But I just the idea that that would be possible would have made me cry at that age. <laughs> well, people who... I want a friend who acknowledges my... Who, you know, acknowledges my blindness and who doesn't ostracize you exactly and who knows that i am more than the fact that i can't see well then she gets to be herself because i think Mm -hmm. part of what she was saying was like she just didn't she wasn't allowed to be outwardly blind oh and i think that was what i related to the most yeah and the yes and the the audition her audition story (gasps) she went she went to audition at public school for her for this play and they handed her the sides and they're in print and she said i can't read this and so they just they, well then obviously you can't audition for the play. Yeah. And that, as a theater person, that makes me so sad and so angry. I was furious, and I was like, Melissa must be even more furious. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was very pissed. Yeah, yeah. I, I was not happy because I still go through this. Right. Auditions in this town are not set up for disabled people because a lot of people just assume that oh you're a disabled person theater just you're not going to do that it's right. just not it's something that is not accessible to you so i come i come to an audition the sides are either uh well they're not there they are the sides are too small for me to see i can't read these and so i have to do the audition with a script in my face yeah so i yeah, yeah i can't and then it's like you can't actually perform nope. 
And it's also like, that's one of those things where it's just like the amount of work you have to do to accommodate someone is so small. Like, and the idea that you couldn't just do that is, mm-hmm. is so baffling to me. Like, what, you know. Yeah. I mean, what we did in college and in, in all throughout conservatory is uh, you blow it, you send it to me and I can blow it up on my iPad. Right. And that way I yeah, can that's... audition, you know, or, or I'm forced to go outside and try and memorize as much of it as I can. Right, right. So that I can walk in there and just be like, okay, da 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 Which I like, I always had to memorize absolutely everything that was performance, which is why I stopped performing until mm-hmm. I was like 25 and was like, oh, I'll try improv because you don't have to look at anything. <laughs> exactly. But like I stopped performing in sixth grade because I was doing a few different things where I'd have to memorize. It, and I was like, this is just not worth my time anymore. And so I gave up like multiple things because I was like, I can't do this. I don't like just having to spend so much time memorizing stuff. It's yeah, it's well, unfair. And, and um, the fact that a lot of people won't let you perform on stage with a cane right because you're the character that you are playing isn't blind right but uh one of the one of the neatest plays i ever got to do was titus andronicus because the director made titus blind right because it's like you do like you know like the whiz or like you can do you can make things where people are a different identity and that's like a part of the art i was like there's a long tradition of that like in theater why the fuck can't you do it with just like that does it yeah and these these students you don't get to see a lot of it but you get to see bits and pieces they're putting on into the woods you know these students do a full production of into the woods they've got a set they've got costumes they you know everything and every student have canes and they all have canes yeah and it's great and it as again you don't get to see very much of it but the little that you do get to see it doesn't detract from the show it is the same show Everybody has a cane. Well, and I think that that's like seems so manageable and also like it's art. And the point of art is not like you have to get it exactly right and do things exactly by the book. Like that's the exact opposite of what art is. Like you art is about like is about changing things and making things other than what they're quote unquote supposed to be. And like, you know, actually putting humanity back into stuff that maybe it wasn't before and so like all of that is is very much like making having blind people playing characters that are supposed to be sighted is like so much more artistic like that's just more true to what art is like so the idea that you wouldn't want to do that is just like well you shouldn't be making art then because you suck like you suck at art like screw well, you i walk i walk a really fine line as a performer because when I, you know, when I perform, I don't, I don't use a cane and I usually will take my glasses off if the, if that's what the director wants, because I don't necessarily need my glasses to see. It makes my vision a little worse, but you've had so many rehearsals by that point. I know where my mark is right, and where you know my, you know, where is. everybody is. And I know, right. I know what everyone's reactions are supposed to be. But I, you know, if I'm doing a scene with somebody and they're having a reaction across the stage from me, I can't see them. So they have to make it bigger. So I know what is happening or we have, have we have to, which usually happens. We run the scene so many times. I know what's going to happen. Is? Isn't that like, actually, I mean, unlike improv, that stuff should be easier because you, like it's you don't need a blind person in a cast to like 
make sure that everyone knows where they're supposed to be and like when they're supposed to be there and what what happens when and like how well, the yeah, pacing I mean, of it like that's what isn't that's that me- what that's the mechanics is? that's the mechanics of theater right but then that's like actually more accessible to blind people than other things because when in life is there you know most of life has a lot of chaos built into it and so you do have to adapt to things that you don't necessarily have the ability to perceive whereas with theater like it is it is actually unnatural and that like you don't have that like there is chaos but it's kind of like trying to actually quantify as much of the chaos as possible and so that makes it more accessible well sure i mean yeah i mean everybody every scene is blocked Right, so exactly. You know, That's like yeah, helpful you, to blind people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so you know where your what your path is and where you're supposed to go and what in what is happening. Right, so you can't make an argument that blind people are going to be bad at theater because we actually like in there is some built-in mechanics at theater that makes it even easier than normal life for blind people to do Mm -hmm. so I think that that's part of like and the fact that you do have to memorize it I mean and that's why it's really frustrating because the audition is very inaccessible and it's probably the least accessible part of the whole thing and And so you just get discriminated against right and you have to bring your best self to the audition or pray to you know pray to the theater gods that somebody knows you and has worked right, with you like or has seen, seen you, you. Right. and they can be like oh yeah no I'll vouch for this person like they're super capable and they can do x y and z right well that's true so many things in life I feel like like jobs are the same way like you can't get an interview is extremely challenging but anytime someone's worked with you they can vouch for you because you're very skilled and know what you're doing and I feel like that's if that happens in most aspects of our life that's something going on with how society views blindness and is has nothing to do with us you know that's how i got my radio job is i had been working volunteering there for years and everybody could vouch for me right it sure as hell wasn't my cover letter in my resume no i've literally terrible i've never gotten a single thing because of just yeah no it's a hundred percent of the time it's because i had people who could vouch for me i like most of the you know the both jobs I have right now are I had to volunteer for you know uh, one for like a year and the other one for six months but you know like I've never had an opportunity that didn't first involve like every single person at that organization knowing me already before I could get paid like you know that's been my experience and I think that's pretty common um because because I think but I think that that speaks to the fact that the expectations of blind people from sighted people are vastly different than that reality and I think so I think that that speaks to that being the only problem like that's the problem like and it's not that we are you know unable to do things like and I think or that like certain things are just so unaccessible that you can't make them accessible a lot Mm -hmm. of times it's literally just people don't have a good enough imagination to understand how a blind person would fucking kill at this and and it's a and it's that's what makes seeing the performance so special and amazing. And they're just, it's, it's a performance of into the woods, like, like which a lot of high schools have done. Like there's nothing yeah. unique about it. You know, it is, it is what it is, but these students are getting to do it. Lots of students who probably wouldn't get, wouldn't even be right. considered for any of the roles are, are getting to do it. And all they, all they did was add canes. <laughs> They yeah. didn't change much of anything. They just added, just let let the person be themselves and let them use a cane. That's what's why whatever, I don't know what job I'm going to move into next with, with everything that's going on, but I refuse to not work without my cane anymore. 
Nice. I'm done. I'm done with it. Yeah. A lot of the a lot of the jobs I've worked with, I didn't necessarily need to move around a lot, so I didn't need to have a cane. Right. But I am sick and tired of people getting angry at me because I can't do something as fast as they want, or because uh, I can't find something that they're that they're looking for, or what I'm because I'm not passing as a sighted person. I'm tired and done and it's sick of it. Stupid. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna work with my cane from now on. Yeah, no, it's definitely and I think that yeah, and 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 the movie brings up a lot of stuff where it's just like you have this safe haven of like blind stuff and accessibility. And it does I wonder I mean and I wish that we could get to this, but I also wonder how as they grow, well, actually, you know a little bit more, but um, of the different people, how their life, like, in the future, what they were able to achieve, and I wonder how much of that, like, having that formative experience, I mean, it's almost impossible to do, like, an, a true experiment about this, because, you know, you can't run back history with the same people, but, like, but how much that maybe opened up doors or maybe it made it it might have also made it harder once you get out right. of school to I, like adapt yeah i was super curious after watching the film to i had to know where all these kids ended up so i looked uh and did a little bit of research there's not too much that i found online but i did find a little blurb from independent leads uh from pbs that talks about where each of the kids ended up um isaac ended up obviously not not going to the to the blind school anymore but he did manage to uh, graduate high school he, and he lives now with his folks and his seeing eye dog oh so he actually got a seeing eye dog named rolex which is pretty cool um it's in may of 2009 um isaac and his seeing eye dog uh they're currently living in austin where he is uh, strengthening his independent living skills at an adult rehab center uh, and his goal is to attend a four-year university. Um, wait, when was this posted? Uh, this was posted the the night after the documentary premiered. So oh, I'm assuming in 2010. Oh, okay. oh, so these are not like super up. It's not. Th- this is all I could find. They're so this is probably not too far from what was in yeah. the movie. Is like little not blurbs. too far. Yeah, because I was like, oh, he still hasn't been able to get to college. It's no, been no, 10 no. Years. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure he's probably completed his college or whatever but yeah um megan obviously at the end of the documentary was a valedictorian of her class like she wanted which was super cool because she's very she's super studious i mean she's awesome yeah she's very yeah type a like mm-hmm. get it done mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so she graduated valedictorian and of she her, had of a blind class. boyfriend and she does yeah yeah she did which is really was cute. cute. When they went out to lunch and everything. And yeah. I mean, really, like, if you go to a blind really school, cute. you date other blind people. I was, like, mm-hmm. thinking, I'm like, I just, the you know, obviously, I just wasn't, didn't have any blind oh, people in my no. life to meet. The thought, the, and the thought of dating anyone, no, no one was going to date me when I was in high school. No, yeah. no, 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 no. So Megan continues to take care, uh, to take a curriculum classes at Austin Community College. She continues to to achieve all A's and B's. And Megan began working part-time at the at the Texas School for Blind and Visually Impaired as a substitute teacher and has since been hired on as a full-time resident advisor. Uh, on a daily oh. basis, yeah, on a daily basis, Megan is Megan is working with teen girls in the 
TSBVI dorms, serving as a role model to students. Only a couple of years her junior. Right, because this would have been soon after. So that's probably, she's yeah. on a different course she, at this point. Yeah, she does plan to, to complete a four-year degree and get a uh, four-year college term and get a bachelor's and a master's degree. It would really be in interesting to actually know she did that because I feel like blind people are, we always have those ideas and then we have to go to school. And we're know. like, oh, this sucks. I know. Oh my God. <laughs> Never uh, mind. Denise, uh, during her sophomore year, Denise's mother decided to bring her back to Dallas to attend her zoned high school. Oh. This agreement didn't work out too well uh, for Denise and she ended up leaving that school as well. Denise lives with her mother uh, and little sister. She still sings in her church choir and is taking some life skills classes and is looking for the right job training program. Wow. So that that stinks. I mean, it's really it's really interesting. A lot of these kids, you you can't. I don't ever. I don't want to say like all, all these kids didn't succeed. Like Megan is the only one that succeeded because yeah. she took the conventional path. You know, she right. graduated school. She went to college. Da da da. I, yeah that, there's no room if you don't do that and the problem is right. that you know the majority of blind people don't do because they mostly can't you know like it's just not like that's it's the most treacherous path to try to do what everyone else can do because you're never gonna have the validation of like i'm not sure if it's because they can't i i think it's the system isn't really set up right. for us you know the deck is kind of sort of stacked that's what against I mean. us yeah, when we begin yeah, yeah. yeah. but you know, Isaac's in a in a rehab in a, in a rehab program. Denise is doing looking to do the same thing or for a job training program. I think that's awesome. I think it's sad that that her mother pulled her out of the school so she could attend a regular high school that obviously didn't work. Well, and she even says it's so obvious in the documentary that she needs this emotionally. Like, and that I guess I can't imagine. I mean, it, when I was that age, I would have been so happy to go to a, a, that school like that would have been amazing but then like I also if I went I couldn't go back because I like all of high school I was just you know I just didn't let myself think about something like that because it would be too hard to keep going if I knew that was another option so if I went to that school and then had to go back I would have dropped out like there's no way you would continue going to high school that's in that's ridiculous given just the vast difference between how you're perceived in one and the other if you get a taste of like actually being validated for who you are at that age you're not going to want to go back to the extremely invalidating situation like why yeah so it seems so silly when she was doing so well it makes you wonder like why yeah I mean my first thing my first thought honestly is financial reasons that, yeah you know we're never told how much it costs to attend this all. school because i'm this is a boarding school this cannot right. be a public school right because that's the thing is i'm like yeah it probably is not a public school like i don't do they have public schools for the blind i'm not sure probably not to be honest yeah no i was because i was thinking because i don't school. know yeah yeah which is kind of ridiculous if if public schools don't make a great effort to actually have that robust accommodations right <laughs> should really either right. make those or have mm -hmm. or make the school because mm -hmm. it's also like you know first of all blindness it's not a good thing you choose to do so you know 
you need the accommodations no matter what and it also means that you're gonna have less ability to like financially support your parents as you get older so you know it's not like that's like taking out money or something is at all practical so yeah yeah but that's a main problem with a lot of disability in schools like that's a big big problem and Chaz starts the film already kind of on thin ice because he's missed six days of school and he just decides that uh it's not for him he doesn't want to do it anymore and so he drops out well it's uh, when in in the middle it's when he's told that he's gonna have to do an entire another year oh right this this second year which um their second senior year which back home we called super seniors right we did too yeah so yeah he's told he's gonna he can graduate but he has to be a super senior and he is not about that life so yeah he uh he decides to uh leave school would you have done the same thing in his position i i know i would have <laughs> no really no i i was so focused on getting uh my high school diploma and then getting a, co- a college degree yeah. I'm, well, you you actually went to college. And fin- I was like, I will do four years of this, and then I will get a degree, or I won't. And one of them I did, and one of them I didn't. <laughs> I am I am a stubborn, 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 stubborn person uh, when it comes to when it came to things like that. So yeah, I if I if I was going to go to high school and spend all this time, I wasn't leaving there without a diploma. If I was going to go to college, I wasn't leaving there without a degree, even yeah. if it took me. 10 years right whereas i'm like almost i did <laughs> i gave my four years and it's kind of and i'm like well fuck you if you're not going to give me a degree because i like work 10 times harder than all the other students for four the same amount of time and i had friends who had already graduated who started the same time as i did because it was so easy for them so yeah um but but that's i think yeah, I mean, I was very, very stubborn up until the very end, but then I was just like, okay, so this is not worth it for me anymore. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, trust me. It got harder towards the end. There were yeah. th- there were multiple times. I went through multiple times in college where I was just like, I could just stop. I could just make all of this go away, I s- and I could just stop. And every time I thought of that, I would, or every time I had that thought experiment, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't pull the trigger and just be like, you know what? I'm done. When did you start? Because I started my first quarter of college, I think, was the first time I had that thought. And then I do not think a quarter went by where I did not have that thought. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Oh, Lord. The first time I ever had that thought was actually after my first semester. Uh, I did horribly my first semester of college. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I had never, in a nutshell, I had never been given this much freedom before. Oh, yeah. I had my own place. Well, my own dorm. uh, And there was no one there to tell me what to do. If I wanted to go eat, I could go eat. If I wanted to go to the store, I could go to the store. If I wanted to go to class, I could go to class. And if I didn't want to go to class, you no, didn't have to. I didn't have to. No one that was, was my promise. I never went to class because I was always a very. I my parents never told me to do homework, like and stuff. I always just did it on my own. Like I was very driven in that way. But I was like, if I had the option to not go to class, I would not go because mm-hmm. I'm like I don't get anything out of them. So I was just like, I want to be there. I'm not going to get anything out of this. Right. Like so, so yeah. yeah. There's no motivation. <laughs> so I got my report card at the at the end they're not called report cards but i don't remember my thing your grades my grades i got there that is that's it i got my grades i got my grades at the end and i think i passed maybe one or two well i didn't outright fail anything um but i did get i I did get grades across the gambit i got i got a cup i got Mm -hmm. like one b and i think the rest were c's and d's 
Yeah, this and, is a similar thing. Yeah, yeah. And I, I called my mom and just like, this is what happened. And uh, what what should I do? You know, what, what should I do? And she's like, well, you've made this make mistake now. So you probably don't want to make it again. Go get yourself some ice cream. Do not make it again. Because it doesn't feel like it's your mistake. It's usually the fact that you can't. You can't oh, no. do better. Oh, no, 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 no. I made... I. <laughs> I graduated with a C average, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I would have as well, I'm not, yeah. I'm not an honor student by any stretch of the imagination. Now, all of the classes that are in my were in my major, I got good grades. Right. I was like a C average, but for film classes, I think I was like an A minus was right, my average, right. yeah. No, in my theater classes and, and, maybe the an art, and the art classes that I took and most of my journalism classes, I got A's and B's. The only classes I failed outright were math classes and the only classes I got shitty grades in were um lecture classes just classes that I had to have to graduate general education yes 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 yeah I got so many bad grades it's yeah and it wasn't because I didn't care I just me I mean when my psych class was going on they needed somebody at the radio station because I was working at the radio station at this point yeah. And I was like, well, all the psych lectures are recorded and I want to make money. So <laughs> I'm going to go to work and yeah. I'll catch the lectures later, which I did. And then I read the book and I passed every single test. Wow. So, I mean, I did that, but I wasn't even getting paid to be on the radio. Yeah, I was just but, like, well, this is more accessible, I guess. Yeah, but, <laughs> but my physical body was in that class maybe three times. Oh, yeah. I don't think most of the lecture, because you can't see what's going on. I have ADHD. So if I'm getting so little stimuli, I literally... I sat in lectures where I could not remember a single thing that was talked about. I, like, genuinely got nothing out of them. And when that happens to you enough times, you're like, well, this is a waste of my time. Like, because I would always think, like, well, I could be studying right now and actually learning something. But I also, at a certain point, stopped taking classes where I was interested because I was like, I took all these classes where I was super interested in the topic. And I very quickly realized that this was not going to be a chance to learn. This was going to be a chance to, like, do a bunch of busy work and, like, try so hard to, like, paddle, you know, to stay from drowning. And that was not, that's not an environment where you get to like learn stuff so I was like okay if I'm taking interesting classes I get so distracted by wanting to learn yeah well yeah and (laughs) when when it's if it's a class that has something that I'm interested in I I'll do it like I will put all of myself in it and you know yeah that's that's what I want but if it's a class that's hard or or I don't care about well did you feel like because I literally stopped taking interesting classes because that was the problem was I would get too interested in a topic I would give myself the opportunity to take one or two electives per semester I always had a um just a a whatever class like I'm taking this class because I want to because you have to take something you have to take something fun or frivolous or something that isn't gonna that doesn't add up to your uh degree because if you don't give yourself that opportunity just to do something that's fun, you're going to go crazy. Right. Well, so, I, I mean, I definitely took a lot of, like, film class, which is what I cared about. But, like, I would take, a, for the general education ones, I'd take classes where I was really, because I'm interested in a lot of different stuff. So, like, it was always classes I was interested in that I could take. And so that was why on paper I was like, this is so cool. Like, I get the chance to take everything I'd love to learn about. And I didn't learn about so much of the stuff that I took classes yeah. on because it wasn't accessible. And then that would just completely demotivate me because... 
I realized to do well in a class, you didn't, it wasn't about learning. Like doing well right. in a class and learning or two were just not compatible for, in my experience. And, and we, I don't know if that's universal. But. I mean, we had a disability department at the, at the U and they did really good work. You know, I wasn't the only disabled student. I was one of the few blind students, but I wasn't the only disabled yeah, student. And they did, they did good work, but I, <laughs> I think I must've got, made the head of the department mad at me or burned too many bridges or something because I just didn't utilize them as much as I I probably could have. What do you mean, though? Well, because by by the time I hit my sixth or seventh year at the U, the head of the disabilities department was begging me just to, to get an associate's degree, which I had enough credits for, to get an associate's degree, um, to get a job. Her example was a greeter at Walmart and do community theater on the side because that's what I was passionate about. And she said that in the room when it was me and her and my acting teacher, who was, uh, who's my academic advisor. And I remember my acting teacher and I locked eyes. And I obviously I couldn't see the you know I couldn't see her eyes, couldn't see the expression on her face, but you could feel in the room that her and I weren't going to do that. Well, of course not. No, that's and, an insane. That's not yeah. accessibility. That's not helping you. Like that person is actively like you are paying so much money to be there, and that person is supposed to be serving you, and they're actively getting in the way of what you're trying to do. Like that's so well, and I not think, okay, right? And I don't think she was doing it to be because she hated well, me or to well, be no, mean. Well, no, I'm sure but, not. But like that's the it doesn't. I think it's the you know what what do they say? It's um, the impact over intent. Right, right. You know, well, like yeah, it. I mean, I had already, I had already borrowed, you know, at this point, I had already borrowed thousands of dollars, you know, to be there. And I just, it was getting harder and harder for me to care. Well, I had been, course. I had been at this for so long. It was you're just, a human being. And I was burnt out. In the situation you were mm-hmm. in, there's no human on earth that wouldn't be burnt out. Right. But at that, at that point, I was so close. I right. basically completed almost all of the theater classes. Yeah. Uh, and I had completed all of my journalism classes to get my minor. Right. So this was like me at the end of school yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. So at this point it was one more theater class and like a, the rest of my general education, which I'd kind of sort of been avoiding to take all the theater classes. Right. So when, when she left, I looked at my te- my acting teacher and I was like, you know what? We, I can't stop. I'm so close. And she's mm-hmm. like, I know. I know you well, can't that also stop. seems like if you got an associate's degree, that's not... You did all this work to get, an like, an associate's a much degree worse degree. Nothing. Like, that's, yeah. yeah, that's, like, what you... That's when you go into a university is when you already have your associate so you can get an actual degree. Like, that's not... It's not a real degree. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no offense to those who have associate's degrees. Like, well, I don't have fine, any but... degree, so I'm, I'm speaking <laughs> of someone who doesn't have a degree, so it's not that I'm judging someone well, no, for it what was, degree they have. For, for me, it was bachelor's or bust, and if that took well, me yeah. 20 years, then they, it well, was going to take me 20 years. years. Okay, six years for an associate's degree is the most offensive thing ever. Oh, I yeah. just can't well, imagine a more yeah, offensive because, situation. Because an associate's degree is only supposed to take you two years. Right, exactly. So, and like so post And you have a bachelor's degree. Well, because that's what I don't understand why the disability resource centers don't just like change the, like, the things to make it so that blind people actually get to 
get degrees when they've learned more than like all the sighted students in their major have like because we like have to learn much more than all the sighted students do and then we don't get a degree and we have to do like four more years of like bullshit unfortunately because that's not how the academic system works right but it's (laughs) like it's not i mean i don't think they should be considered disability resource center if they're not actually serving disabled people i mean they did they did a lot of work i they just I just didn't really click with them, so. But I don't I, know. I don't think that's. I don't think that's because of you, though. Well, no, I don't know. I also didn't come to them all of the time to get help with stuff. But do you feel like that's because you didn't like because you were just being lazy, or was it because you didn't think they were going to help in the way you genuinely needed? I'm. For me, I think it might be an issue of pride. I'm just stubborn, you know, and I. I'm also. I stubborn. can do yeah, and and I can do this thing. On my own, like you know, we're supposed to get. We're, I was supposed to get a letter for every teacher, every for every class that yeah, says hi. I hate that you're stupid a, letter. You're a disabled student. You, it it is stupid, but sometimes it works. Um, well, no, it definitely worked, but it was just like, why can't? Why, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Well, yeah, no, no, but you know, my thing was like, well, I should just be able to tell them because I've had to tell everybody for my entire life, and I just started to not get the letters anymore because. When I was going through the theater department, our theater department is tiny, and everybody knew who I was. So yeah. if they had me in their class, they knew what they were in for. They they knew what was expected of them. So and a lot of my tests, because of what my major was, it, are performance based. So they're not you know pen and paper, well, those, A, B, and C right. tests. And those were the classes got good grades on in film school. It was the same thing, as well. But then like. I didn't go to the Disability Resource Center a lot of the time just because they weren't going... I knew what accommodations they had available and they weren't going to do it. And I thought it was because I was stubborn and my pride for so long until I was like, wait a second, I didn't go because they weren't... I knew what services they offered and I knew that those services from experience were not going to actually be helpful because so many times I tried to get a book and like I it would be week eight when I got the book and I found out at a certain point that if I just spent the like 20 hours it takes to just get all my books converted on my own then I was actually going to get to start studying before the quarter was over you know and so like that's why I didn't go but I really did for a long time think it was something wrong with me and so that's why I'm like saying this because I'm like wait a second at a certain point, I was just like, it wasn't because I was being stubborn and didn't want help. It was because I knew the help was not going to help me. But I definitely blamed myself for a long time. So that's why I'm asked going down that line of questioning. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. And I suppose, I suppose, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of come, I've kind of come to the same conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> but after, after the, that conversation in my, in, in, with my acad- uh, academic advisor and the disabilities, the head, oh, I was done with them. Yeah, I I don't know if I ever set foot in that office, unless I absolutely had to, yeah, uh, ever again. For, well, that's for like self care at that point. Like you're, you know, that's the only option you have to take care of yourself at that point. And yeah. It's not a good option, and like, it should definitely not be the option you are forced to take. But it's like to not do that would be really harmful to your mental health and would not serve you in any way. You know, it's not like they were they were going to be helpful. I'm going to do this myself, and I did. Yeah. <laughs> Ta-da! I did it. I mean, it, it wasn't just me. I, I owe a lot to um, to my acting teacher and to all of the teachers that helped me along the way because I got loads and loads and loads and loads of second chances. I made a lot of mistakes and I got second chances. And I mean, that's pretty amazing. I guess I also made a lot of mistakes, but I don't know. I don't know. I imagine probably neither of us made that many mistakes that weren't based on not having access to anything. 
but yeah, it's, I mean, I, it was a very, yeah, I had a very bad experience. I am lucky that I gave up after four years and I know that a degree would be worthless. So I'm lucky that I just didn't bother getting the degree and, and meant I got to save myself from more years. And it, and honestly, the one nice thing about Bay Area prices is I was like, oh, I like cannot continue to pay rent. Like this is not an option. Like it's just truly I had to move away like it was not something that was going to be possible and so that I'm very thankful for because it allowed me to leave yeah I mean I hardcore bought into the idea that I need a college degree if I'm going to get anywhere in life and now I'm here now you know the Portland and I'm like you know probably didn't have to do that in from from my line of work however I wouldn't trade the eight years I spent at college for the world yeah, I mean, I wouldn't trade the four years either. It was really, it was traumatizing in so many ways, but it's also, like, a very good experience in just deal- figuring out who I was and and also just doing a lot of just dumb shit, which I, I think all people should have the opportunity to do dumb shit at the age of a college age because that's, if you don't get to do it, then you're always going to be like, that the dumb shit will always be hovering above you and you'll be like, you know... Then you'll do it later on when it's not a good time. It's like, it, you know, it's a good time to fuck up a lot. And the cool, th- one of the most cool things about college is people aren't assholes. <laughs> like, I'm sure you're going to meet your fair share of, of people who are jerks. Yeah. But people are really cool because you don't have to go through all of the the high school clicky social bullshit. Yeah. People in college are like, they're awesome. And there are so many clubs and there are so many people that you can find that you have the same interest as. Yeah. And that are just decent people. I mean, all of my lifelong friends that I've made that I keep for, for, well, for my life, duh, I made in college. Yeah. I don't contact anyone from high school and middle school. Yeah. Because what's the point? I weirdly don't. I, like, just have a handful of friends that, um, yeah, though I do still have probably about even of, like, close friends from either, but I also, I'm very bad at keeping in touch with people who are far away, so if they're not here, it's really difficult, um, for me to keep up those relationships, but, yeah, I mean, I am, I am also very thankful and I know that like 18 to 22 I wasn't going to be doing anything great with my time so if I was going to have a bad time I might as well have done it in like a very unique experience that you know you're not going to get the chance to do other times like and I went to a very beautiful school and it's a state school and I got to like make films in a cabin and you know there's a lot of good stuff and um yeah I I think that it's it's hard because it is like it it there, there's some affirmingness, um, and I think sometimes it's just comparatively because I think that college can be more, more affirming in some ways. I think for like people who don't have all the extra barriers, because I think when you have so many barriers just to get the stuff that everyone around you is getting, it always feels it's, it, it it always feels kind of inherently unaffirming. <laughs> You know, but then it's also like there is a lot of valuable affirming stuff that you get that like all college students get, all college students get that blind people are not exempt from, you know, and so so it's a balance. But um, 
I mean, I'm also thankful at 22, my life got better and it's just going to continue to be better than anything before 22. And, and I'd much rather be in that direction. Like, you know, that's a much better life to like have your life get better at 22 and then, and then like just be better, like have a set point that's just better than everything that came before. Like to, to think about people who it's the opposite. It's that seems horrible. Like that, that would be a nightmare. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, if I hadn't have spent all that time in college, I literally wouldn't be sitting across from you. I would probably, honestly, I would probably still be living at home or living wherever, wherever my parents were living. Right. And I would be, yeah. And I'd be working at the visitor center, which isn't bad. I adored that job, But. but I don't, I don't know if I can do that for the rest of my life. Yeah. It's definitely, I think in a lot of ways it gives you permission to leave. And oh, which is that's the main yeah, good thing. Which is absolutely what I needed. Yeah, me too. I needed no, to get the fuck out of, the, yes. out of the house. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Last but not least, we got Chaz who dropped out. Right, which we kind of talked about. We that. did, yeah. yeah. So he, uh, according to my internet research, uh, is, uh, has a girlfriend and has a kid. Jazz oh. Jr. and is still pursuing By soon after the movie too. Soon, very soon after the movie, yeah, and is still pursuing his uh, rap career. Yeah, as one two C O N E, the number two S E E, and he put out music, uh, which coincided with the release of the documentary. Oh, did because the eyes of me is named after the that's, his song. Yes, that's where the title comes from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's one of the lyrics uh, in his songs about uh, being blind. Right. I think it's the title. It's one of the lyrics. I think it's also yeah. the title. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and part of, and throughout the documentary, he's like writing the song. Like, I think it starts with mm-hmm. him talking about it and then it ends with him having finished it. So it's like the process of writing, which I, I really like that. It, it was very relatable of like um, in high school, like, trying to like tell my own pers- Like I did a lot of like making films about other stuff and like finding a way to actually talk about my own experiences was the most challenging thing and so I really like that because I think that is a very true coming of age thing yeah it's really good to see these kids not only come of age and figure things out but it's also nice that this isn't just oh why me why me why am I blind yeah but but it's also not inspiration porn either no it's very realistic and the adults especially of like their parents are also very realistic yeah 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 not always the most helpful you know or like (laughs) just kind of you know Mm -hmm. middling i think do we see any supportive parents like that are in a very i think um megan's Megan's parents parents are are pretty supportive and denise's parents seem pretty supportive though they took her out of school they did take her out of school yeah i have i have a real bone to pick with her with her parents yeah well they're very jesusy super jesusy yeah well and isaac's parents seem pretty nice um yeah though i'm trying to remember yeah but it is you definitely see like um yeah some of the 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 difference in how the kids are you know kind of thinking about their blindness and yeah I mean I think yeah some of them are are, are sweet and well-intentioned but some like some of them I think who was it who made more I think a bigger deal out of the blindness than the kid was I think it was Isaac's wasn't it like his grandparents maybe was that now I'm like not remembering exactly who it was maybe. but like I, don't... I think it 
Because it was a detached, detached retina. Who had the detached retina? Oh, that's Isaac. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Isaac. So I think it must yeah. have been his grandparents who were like... Oh, what? well, what infuriated... Well, because... Okay, I remember now. What infuriated me about that whole conversation was uh, they could have saved his sight, apparently. Wait, it had but to they do with, like... Yeah. They couldn't afford it. Right, right, exactly. They couldn't afford to go to the hospital Which and that's do anything about it. Until stupid. his until his retina just finally, you know, detached. Right. Yeah. So Which that's, I'm all for like being loving being blind, but the fact that this happens in our country is kind of that's it's extremely problematic. Other, but yes. Yeah, that's that is some crazy North Korea shit right there. That you can't I mean it's just I mean it's it's very American to like yeah. just, you know, become but it is but I mean it is also like, you know, countries that don't have the resources we have that is when that is where that kind of thing is more common you know like we have too many resources for like it's just stupid that we can't figure stuff like that out but but yeah so he's blind because of that which yeah it is i mean it's also an interesting thing because i am always like be proud of your blindness but it, it it feels silly when there was well and that question did come up for me, as that story was being told, I, well, would he have had a, you know, a better life or whatever? Right, right. It was Obviously, his life would have been different if he Definitely was sighted. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think you can say, or you can ask that question, you know, would his life would have been better? You know, would, would, he be, would he have been more fulfilled to have sight? I think these kids' lives are, are fulfilled. Definitely. And they're, they're all blind. Yeah. And I think that, like, we talk about, like... Um, not wanting to be blind in the terms of like someone who's been blind their entire life and like the idea of like mixing up ableism with like actually like dealing with ableism versus like actually what your eyes are um but yeah it does it it makes it more complicated when it's like it could have been a very short-term thing that became going blind um and another thing that's that's fairly interesting about these kids is they all uh were born with vision and then slowly, oh. and then slowly lost their sight. Though some of them wasn't it very early on, though. I believe so. Yeah. Because yeah. they and you actually do like own, it's halfway through the movie that they start. I think even like anyone saying how like because they you actually get to meet them for a while before they talk about really any details about their vision. I think, um, which is interesting. Um, the movie also there's a lot of like um, very close up shots where people are talking, but then I think they kind of like. They do that at the very beginning, but then they kind of stop doing that. It's in, it's weird. <laughs> like, it, it's like, because they'll have, like, people will be talking, they'll have close-ups, like, mm-hmm. their face, where it's like, you know, or, like, kind of, like, it's almost like the, it looks like a blind person's filming it. Like, it's kind of like that, like, just like a weird... Oh, that feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah of yeah. just, like, kind of pointing it towards someone talking. Well, and I, as far as them not stating... Hi, my name is Isaac, and I'm. This is how I was blind. Da, da, da. Right. That's not really. Again, I think it just comes down to that's not really what the documentary is about. No, it's, no, I know. It's not I about think how they got this way. It's about right living and, them their lives. Yeah, that's why I say it because I think it was a, a very obvious, like a very intentional choice that they made to do that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is. I mean, and I think it also doesn't matter when it matters more when you have to adapt to an environment that's cited, but it it doesn't matter as much when you're not, when that expectation isn't on you because you can be more. They're living life with the same events that sighted people live their lives with. 
Yeah. You know, one of the, Chaz is going through poverty, which it just, oh my God, it, bra- it breaks my heart. Yeah, I mean, when he, it's really hard. when he was evicted, I'm just. Yeah, because he's evicted because he pays his half of the rent, but, he's, but his, his roommate doesn't his, pay. Yeah, his roommate, his roommate doesn't pay. And so through. it's, it is so upsetting because it's like literally he managed to get work, like, which is not easy. And it's like, it's just like you're getting punished for something when you're even like meeting the ridiculous expectations mm-hmm. of a capitalist society, mm-hmm. but you're just not, you know, but the others around you aren't. I mean, my my biggest question was why the hell isn't he on disability benefits? Well, he has a job, so it might be that he couldn't oh, that's get any true. money from yeah. it. Yeah, and Texas might work different than other states. Yeah, but yeah, that honestly, that was my first thought. I was just like, what the hell? Like, what isn't he getting anything, anything at all from from the government? Well, and I feel like I mean, and he has a paycheck, and he was like so excited. He's like, I have a paycheck. It was, it's 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 really heartbreaking because it's just like I think that you know like we live in an extremely classist society where like people's money is seen, like it's seen like like people make a choice like which pretty much never happens like you know no one's in poverty because they chose to be like it is always circumstances completely beyond someone's control and then we like make it seem like there's something wrong with anyone in that position but just like the amount that he worked to even yeah to meet those like expectations and and like it's it is heartbreaking because it's just like that feeling of like oh so even when you say okay I'm going to meet all the expectations on me I'm going to sacrifice what I want in the world just to make sure I meet these expectations and I'm you know do the right thing and like and then you know it's housing so it's such a basic thing that's just like taken away from him because of just you know something that he truly cannot control like there's just not even a question that he could control it and it's yeah it's 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 unbelievably heartbreaking (laughs) well and he as far as we know he has a girlfriend and a kid now and works on and off at the lighthouse and is living with friends so that's good i mean at least he has at least they have a roof right but it's probably closer to couch surfing though then again this was 10 years ago so it's probably a completely different situation now but (laughs) we um, we don't know yeah we should have called them all up to do this be like what's going on right um but yeah i mean i think this has been a very um you know like kind of this episode we talked more about personal stuff but it makes sense because it's a documentary that is about the real lives of blind people and I think that that seems like it's easy especially since it's something that we both could imagine like you know it's almost like a dream to even have the experience that they had um but oh yeah well yeah. It's, it's just neat seeing all these different different experiences um yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I do wonder, like, what well, would would I be any different if I went to a blind school instead of, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm doing now? And Lord knows, there are definitely days when I'm like, yeah, I could use some of them adult life skills classes. 
because yeah. I don't have those. I mean, we can sort of still we can sort of still access them, but it's just like I think like anything, there's always how much do you want to like give up your autonomy to the system and the system that's you know, yeah, in our experience and you know in all blind people's experience, not going to necessarily be working for you all the time. You know, like there's many situations in which the system's not working for you, and so <laughs> you know, knowing when it's appropriate because sometimes it does, and I think like this school is an example of when the system even though it's probably private school um you know it is kind of like a you know a a body that's like supposed to be helping blind people and it seems like it was something that you know i think all of the students other than Chaz, not being able to graduate but that seems like it more had to do with like you know just general struggles that he had to go through that were not you know that really just were aside from school um like, you, I would think that the school would do more to address that situation, though. Yeah, well, it, and that's... It, it, he just kind of fell away. And it, I'm like, where is the, where's the support system? Right. You know, and the same, you know, the same with Isaac. Yeah. It's it's like the girls kind of sort of, kind of sort of came out. I don't Well, except for not even, really but, just Megan. Yeah, really. Because really all just of Megan. them kind of lost that support. And so I think that's that's also saying like this is not this is not a complete solution. And this is like, you know, you have to do you have to have a lot more uh, a lot bigger system working for disabled people because you can't just have like the little safe haven that like the second someone winds up like accidentally, you know, drifting out of that safe haven that they're complete, you know, they're completely fucked. Like that's not that does not serve people well. Like. Um, you know, the entire government needs to... Okay, I don't know why I'm getting very political in this podcast, but I mean, you know, you need you need accountability of, like, how you're going to help disabled people, because we you know, we have to deal with a lot more stuff, mm-hmm. and so we need to, like, have more support, and um, you know, and I think this could be one thing, and, and I also, like, I mean, one thing I think about is, like, in a way, school really prepare me for ableism, and, like, every day I'm just thankful that the amount of ableism I experience now is just like you know one thirtieth of what like I experienced all the time in school and like having that as a formative experience really helped and I do wonder if like if you had a more accommodating school if dealing with ableism outside would feel more difficult because I like dealt with all that anger at how the world works and being upset like as I was growing up you know and as I was like in more low stakes situations in school and so having that experience maybe it would be better than if I like had to deal with all that fury like when I was like 25 you know yeah but that's that's just saying like I I deserve to be you know just put through the ringer and go through hell and then I'll just come out the other side a better person I I don't know. I I don't I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily see see things that way. I wish that Yeah, I there's I I wish that I could have gone to to a school like this. Yeah. Because I think I would have been <laughs> I would have been a better blind person. No, I but I would have been more adjusted to live in the world. Oh, interesting cuz I feel like I would probably be much less. So that's interesting. Cuz I don't think they are, you know, model, modi coddling these kids right. at at the school, but they're learning how to how to exist in a world that isn't built for them. Instead yeah. of being put in a world that a isn't built for you and b refuses to adapt 
Yeah. For you at all. Right. Though I guess I'm definitely an, um, what's the right word, um, experiential learner. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm not going to figure out how to do it unless I'm put through the ringer. And that could be a personality thing. I mean, and that's not just, and obviously no one deserves that. And obviously, ideally, the whole world would just be more accommodating. And that is the actual correct solution. And this is just like us trying to figure out what we want out of a completely broken system, you know. Um, but I do, I think for me, having those experiences, it it made me feel like I have to speak up for myself, you know, and I have to, um, you know, and I also, I can't, I think I also just have very, it's expectations of things play a big part in my life, I think, and they really affect my mood. And so if I'm able to like have lower expectations than what happens, that's, you know, that just helps my mental health so much. Whereas if my expectations are higher, that has a, then just for me, it has an unbelievably detrimental, like, effect on my mental health if I'm expecting things to be better than they are. And so I, I don't think that's true of everyone. So I think that might be part of where that need is coming from for me and that I, I, I would rather have my expectations as low as possible because then I'm going to be better at, like, adapting and figuring things out when I'm, like, if I'm pleasantly surprised by things, it just helps my mental health. But... Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. It might be a very personal thing, too. I think it is. And it's not just, like, all blind people. <laughs> oh, no. No, <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. This totally depends on what your ex- what your life experiences is and where you grew up and who you grew up with. and yeah, wh- Right. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. it might be a personality thing, too. I mean, I wonder how much of that... I mean, I think that maybe you just wanted the metrics of how. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's... It, it's it's a definitely an interesting thing to think about. I think for me, I would ideally want um, to be in a school with a mix of people that had more blind people and that also had community around that. Like you, you know, I just like I wish I just had like a like kind of how you'd have a church or something. Like I wish I yeah. had that yeah. with blind people. Well, and in most in most schools, the special needs department and the the visually impaired department. I mean, they are separate departments. And you when you learn, you learn separate from everybody. Right. So you are already cordoned off in this in this other group, and it isn't about being integrated. And yeah, it, and that's it, the problem yeah, that I yeah. would struggle with and a lot. It isn't about everybody learning. It's about it's about you. And I think if you went to a school with everybody learning that way, where no one where no one is separate, then you would, mm, yeah then maybe it would be it would be easier yeah I think you know just I think having a school that where you are making it a mission to accommodate the different needs of the different students um and I mean I, I it does take more work and you know not all schools especially public schools have proper funding um, and we don't make it a priority as much in this as in this country as other countries do um, that have better <laughs> education systems. Um, uh, so I think that that's you know all those factors go into why this doesn't happen. But you know I think ideally having a sense of community, but also being able to learn alongside people because you know you're gonna work when you do get to work and get to do stuff in your life. It's not gonna be mm-hmm. all blind people. And having right. the blind, I think having a community of blind people is vital for your emotional health and like for support and feeling like you can do things and just like it is I 
I think it is a deprivation when you don't allow student like allow kids to have that. Um, but I think that at, on the same token, having the skills of figuring out how you can work alongside people with the you know getting the support that you need and also feeling like you're part of the broader community. I think you I think both of those are really necessary. And so finding a way to have both of those things because it shouldn't be a binary. You should just be able to do both. You know, like it should be that you have that community and you have spaces that are all blind people, but then you also have a, like a supportive school where you have a diversity of students and the and different accommodations are made for all sorts of different students you know and it's not just disability where people might need different things you know people coming from different home lives or you know who have different like money you know it's like how school lunches and stuff you know like you just need to take into consideration all this stuff in languages you know these are all barriers to learning um so yeah yeah i mean when I remember my mom's friend would have conversations with her and she was just convinced that I should go to a special school. That that was the way that I should go. And my mom would get so angry and then in turn I would get angry too. You know, oh, how how dare you tell my kid they should go to a special school, you know, for people who are – for people who are like them. And now thinking about it, I'm like, you know, (laughs) maybe that wouldn't have been such a (laughs) terrible thing. Uh. (laughs) to go to a school with just blind people or a school that just was for the disabled. Right. I think there's a lot of value in having that option. But then... Yeah, I mean, at least there are places. There are places like the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired. There are places like the Alaska Center for the Blind. There are disability services in this country. That's not a lot, but they're there. Yeah. They are there. <laughs> they, yes. That's they, what I could say for there. them. They exist. They, they exist. Yeah, they that's, exist. That's basically the main thing I can so, say for them. So <laughs> uh, I'm assuming that this, this movie is probably going to be one of our highest rated, I think. Yeah. Well, that brings us to our next thing. Mm-hmm. Good segue. Thank so you. we have I tried really hard. <laughs> our blindness acuity test. Right. Which I never call it by the name. I thought it's a funny <laughs> name. Um, so this is where we rate the movie from a scale of 20, and then it's something. So 2020 being um, a very sighted person movie, and that it's, even though there are blind people in it, it's completely from a sighted perspective. And 2200 being legal blindness. So um, if you are 2200, you are meeting the mark but then anything above is extra credit too because that's still i'm above 2200 so still blind people um but yeah so what what do you think your rating is oh wow i mean i honestly would go <laughs> i i'd i'm thinking 2400 <laughs> nice i because this the this documentary was not full of of other talking heads it was just these kids telling their story and we were just gl- we were just given a glimpse into their lives, and the documentarian didn't take sides. He didn't approach this with an agenda. Yeah, it was just the story that was being told about uh, blind kids and how their lives are. Yeah. So yeah, I I thought this was a, a really great, awesome documentary, and I'm sad that it took so long for me to see it. <laughs> well, that's why we have this podcast. Um, 
And I feel like mine is coming from very much um, a filmmaking perspective, which I feel like we both bring different perspectives into it. We usually give our ratings based on, um, yeah, different perspectives, which is why it's great. Um, but I actually feel like I would give it a 2180 maybe because I feel like it is close to like a pretty like spawn on thing I wish that the way it was I think the mix for me really was frustrating and the fact that that the voice over or the um audio descriptions are just so soft in the mix and like I think that it that to me is like kind of communicated that it was you know still there was still like a little bit of an a kind of removed observational thing of just having the sound being so problematic. I mean, I wonder <laughs> I wonder if if it's just a bad stream or a bad transfer or something because yeah. I'm assuming we both watch this on Amazon. Um I'm, or on, I watch on Canopy. Oh, right. Okay, no, I didn't Oh my god, I forgot to check Canopy. I'm it's an on idiot. Canopy, yeah. That's right. No, so I watched it through Amazon, but oh. I got a I got a free trial for this thing called IndieFlix, which I need to cancel now. Okay. Uh, but I, I didn't have to pay anything for it. But okay, you, that's you good. You can, I forgot it was on Canopy. You can watch it on yeah, Amazon. Yeah, so if you have though. a library card, you can watch it for free. Mm-hmm. So definitely do that. Which is great. Yes. So, okay, so maybe, so obviously, if you watched it on one thing and I watched it on the other, it's not the, no, it's, it's not definitely the streaming not, service. It's, it's also, the film. Yeah, and, and like you said, it is big in because I was like, is this big in because it's so bad that I can't imagine it was a separate track and it is because like Canopy doesn't have a thing to turn on audio description so it's definitely baked in um and I I feel like it is you know um and and I don't it's hard to say exactly how much I'm sure part of it was just production value um and I the only thing that I think about with documentaries is just like they are not as often coming from the blind perspective like they don't like because they could be like I think it's like just like any other movie they could be made by blind people and so you're always having that um you know the way that you perceive it and this is so I'm giving it close to 2200 because it is mostly just a small nitpicky thing Um, I mean it's honestly in this in this docket it's not small like it is a glaring issue yeah if my my journalism teacher watched this he would say the same thing yeah the audio is not good the audio is bad and it does feel like when you have a a movie that is so much about just people who can't see and we don't have any deaf blind characters so it is just people who can't see who can hear just fine so like not having a good mix does make it feel alienating especially when you do have audio descriptions that are so buried in the mix that it's yeah that you wish that like that it, it doesn't feel accessible it just kind of reminds you of what could be accessible but then it's not yeah but and that's why I say it's coming purely from the filmmaking perspective because I do think as for the content I think this took very different blind experiences you know and having all the blind people and it brought up a lot of issues relating to blindness and like I think we've talked about you know we talk about this in a lot of episodes of like how if you would recommend it and that's like something that I think this is a good portrayal of the blind experience and it did feel like a lot of stuff is a good um like uh, I mean it is a documentary but it represents blindness in a way that that feels very helpful and like and you do have so many of the you know all the document 
um, documents, documentary subjects. What is, I don't know. Um, they, like all of the kids basically get to speak for themselves and get to tell their own story. So it's in that way, it feels very like blind positive. So it's really a very nitpicky thing. Cause I think it does, <laughs> it does make the mark on, on a lot in most of the content. So no, I would definitely recommend it uh, to a friend who wanted to know about blindness or to someone who is blind. It's just really interesting and important to see the experiences of these kids. Yeah. And it and it makes you think a lot about like, you know, your your own experience too and how cuz I think that like there is a almost mythical way that like a blind school feels when you're a, when you're in a such a sighted environment in high school, like it doesn't feel real. So to get to kind of see a window into this, like it 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 truly, I don't know if you've had this experience, but it does almost feel like a fantastical idea to oh, have yeah. like a blind school. Well, you're, you're basically, you basically get to be a fly on the wall and no, with no consequence. Yeah. You can look in the window and watch and see what happens. Well, it also just feels like, I don't, did you have the experience of like the idea of an all blind school just didn't even feel like a real thing? Like it felt like a fantasy. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I think if I were younger, I would have thought of it more, definitely more as a fantasy. But now that I'm older, I'm just, I'm really used to the concept. Okay. So like, okay. Well, so the fact that this school exists in Texas, great. Right. Awesome. Right. You know, right. That, that's cool. I mean, there's a big school in Louisiana. There's a, there's the uh, NFB home base, which is in Baltimore. There's and you've got have yeah. you and I think maybe that comes from also maybe I think for me it comes from not having as much experience being in all blind space like it's very uncommon even in my adult life, um so I think that's probably part of um yeah where that perspective for me comes from too, um but yeah have you been to other schools yeah so I uh, ACB uh which is Alaska Center for the Blind I was at. A fair amount of time. I went to a summer camp, a few summer camps there. Right, uh, right. I never boarded there. It was they did have rooms. I never boarded there, and unfortunately, I don't know why, but I never took any classes there, and I regret it to this day. But so I've been to that one. I've been to the NFB headquarters in Baltimore, which is their blind center in Maryland, which was super cool because that literally is a place run by. A bunch of blind people. That's awesome. There are a few sighted people there, but most of the staff is blind. That's great. It yeah. is weird. It seems like that's so obvious to do that. It's so I know, right? weird how <laughs> uncommon it is. <laughs> those are those are the two big ones. I know that Oregon has something too. I think it's Oregon Council for the Blind. Oh, yeah, OCB. But I haven't really messed around with them at all, mostly because they want uh for me for them to help me, they want documentation. About Wait, the commission? Yeah, commission. I'm, that's it. I commission. Hate yeah, I them. I don't. Uh, yeah, it's even. It's a thousand dollars to get records, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? The same eyes I've always had. No, exactly, and and they want they and they want, wouldn't uh, take the records of when I was diagnosed. Really? Okay, because yeah. they want for me for them to even consider helping me do anything. They want records they want an yeah. eye exam and I'm just I like I had to do that too and my parents were like you need to get another one and I was like no I don't and then afterwards when it was like yeah literally your eyes are the same as they're always going to be nothing's changed like nothing's yeah. going to change there's no reason to be here but it's also a thousand dollars I was like okay well I'm never going to do that again and but I did do it that one time so I get services at the commission for the blind and I can tell you not worth it don't do the thing really okay terrible good, services good to know good to know uh, but as far as like campuses, those are the only two I've 
I've been to. Uh, yeah. I got to go to the NFB convention in Dallas, but that was at a hotel. Uh, so we didn't go to a, a their blind, whatever their blind institution is. But it was really cool to be in a hotel with like 10,000 other blind people. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, cool. That is amazing. That's so many That people. was insane. That was one of the craziest weekends I've ever had. It was nice. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. I I I don't even know. I feel like I would get too overwhelmed. I think I know myself and just the emotions because when I'm in that kind of situation, the first thing and the only thing I think about is like, I could have been doing this my entire life and I never had access. And I feel like now it's like kind of like Game of Thrones where at a certain point I was like, well, I haven't seen it up till now. So I've already wasted a bunch of my life while the show was on that's not my whole life but not knowing about it so the same thing with blindness I'm like I could have had this at a young age and it's hard not to think that that's a good analogy but but yeah no I'm you can't miss what you didn't have so I have some really because I'll figure out a way no I'm just kidding yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah I mean I have some I have some regrets you know seeing these kids go through doing what they're doing and and I'm like well I didn't get that yeah I want that and it's weird because they're also like close to my age like because it was you know back when I was in high school was when the movie Mm -hmm. came out so Mm -hmm. so that would have that would have been the same time I was in high school (laughs) I was four years into college so you're less relating to the bit. time period but that's a, a only bit, though yeah. can we just say this is the second movie where evanescence was oh part of it oh my god i laughed i laughed so hard i did too i was just like this is great <laughs> yep, so, yep, yep. i hope that i feel like we've done too many 22006 well okay no we did a couple 2006 movies so this is 2000 the early odds when it released. Yeah, yeah we have a lot of like so we'll have to like diversify which actually brings us to and i don't know what the movie is so i'm we might not be diversifying but so <laughs> melissa what is the movie that we are doing next next week we're watching the book of eli starring denzel washington and gary oldman and i've seen this once in college uh I think it was recommended to me by a friend. I can't, honestly, I can't even remember how I watched it. But it's been so long, I don't remember a lot of it. I do remember the twist, which I won't talk about here. But yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's what we're watching next week, The Book of Eli. I'm looking forward to it. What what year did it come out? Let me look. Um, Oh, I honestly, actually, I think this might be another 2010 movie of course so there's going to be evanescence in it more than more than likely please try to just get any just see how many times evanescence can be in the movie (laughs) oh gosh wake me up inside (laughs) i can't wake up (laughs) uh oh okay you can uh you can watch it on hulu Oh, hey. So it's Freezies. That's very cool. Hey. Oh, 2010. Hey, oh, we got it. I feel like it's like our age. We just have a certain time period in which yes. we're watching too many movies. It got a 47% on Rotten Tomatoes. So we're yes. in We're in for I'm a so treat. Excited. I'm, we are this in for is a, a great, treat. This is going to be a great contrast to this movie. I'm very excited. And I feel like I'm, I'm excited to laugh at something more than... Because I feel like this has been a really interesting 
conversation I'm very glad yes. we had. No, you're, you're, but it's much more emotionally draining. <laughs> you're really good at picking like, the, the really studious, awesome academic movies. And I'm like, let's watch the Book of Eli. It's kind of more fun, honestly. I was like, I should be more like Melissa. Just pick the ones no, that are more no, fun. No, no. Please keep picking these amazing, awesome movies because I definitely haven't seen them. And uh, oh, oh, uh, Mila Kunis is also in this movie. Yes, I'm so excited. Okay, I'm very excited for this. This is, is going to be fun. And yeah, then, too, I feel like we do need to, like, decompress from, like, just we both have talked about very hard, difficult things to talk about. I'm just, this is my suicide and online training coming out. I'm, like, figure out what our self-care is. What is your self-care for after we get up this podcast? Oh, Lord. Well, the, the first thing I'm going to do is eat food. <laughs> that, that's that's going to be that's the my, best kind of self-care. I made beef stew yesterday. <gasps> it did not turn out super awesome i let it i let it cook just a little too long so it's it it looks a little bit more like mush than it does stew but for mush it tastes pretty good that's Uh, good so i'm gonna i'm gonna make some rice and i'm gonna have some mush over rice nice (laughs) mostly because i don't want to throw it away because i'm like i spent all this money on the vegetables and the meat and everything and i don't want to I really don't want to waste it. It's not inedible. But it is that. But it's still self care, though. It's still self care. Yeah. So I'm Good. probably gonna do that, and then have like a, I don't know, like a big old glass of milk or something. Nice to go with it. As a vegan, that sounds like something that is very good if you're not a vegan it's it's a a horrible (laughs) meal if you're a vegan i'm gonna eat beef and drink milk yeah okay so um, i love that but well oh what what is my self-care yeah um uh, i mean i'm i have a class tonight for make writing dramedies that's perfect that's perfect self-care yeah i'm really excited about it um, and I haven't like done a lot of filmmaking stuff in a while. So, and I feel like this podcast has really made me think more about wanting to go back into it. Um, nice. so yeah, so it's Yay. really cool. So, um, uh, let's see. Oh, so self care that, that was super fun. That might be what are that's a good segment our um, segment yeah are we talking about what's given us life yeah See? yes we yes. could we can actually do what's what's your self-care for after you get off this podcast could be the name of the i like it thing that we like that good. we're getting into good i like it <laughs> but yeah do you want to um uh, i do you want to go first sure i've got i've got something yeah um, do mine it. mine is probably obvious since we talked about it prior to recording uh so besides the beef stew and the milk um what is giving me life this week was uh, uh, I did my first improvised TED talk last night with my uh, over Zoom with my improv group. We each made a, a weird slideshow and we each got to present everyone else's slideshow and then they presented ours. And I have never laughed so hard in such a long time. It felt so good. I mean, my face hurt afterwards. I had a headache because uh, I had been laughing so hard. Yeah. <laughs> It was so perfect. It was exactly what I needed. Aww. So I know that's that's not really something that everyone can access, but I mean, you just it, need a bunch of friends it's and fantastic. some PowerPoint slides. Yeah, yeah. It it was so great. It was so great. Oh, um, my thing is a podcast. Um, because I I realize I've only done one podcast so far, and I listen to a million podcasts, but it's a new podcast I've been listening to. Um, and it is called Permission to Speak. It is a podcast that is hosted by um, a dialectic coach in Hollywood, and she talks about how a lot about just kind of like from a feminist perspective of voice and and how not that women 
like it's not like want something about like oh vocal fry makes women you know less you know it's it's definitely not um what's the right word like um uh tr- blaming women basically it's like it's very much about like how sexism can change how people are heard and and how to help women have more confidence in their voice um but as someone who's now hosting two different podcasts it has been a really awesome thing to listen to and to hear about the different ways because it's something that I'm now thinking about all the time and especially editing podcasts that I'm in and it has just been a really awesome thing to get to listen to um and and hear about other because she also has um different like women in the public eye come on and talk about it um and it's it's just very fabulous and so that is called permission to speak it's hosted by samara bay and um and she's a very she's very awesome and i'm really enjoying it so that's a great thing to to listen to yeah i've been listening to a whole lot of uh rupaul's drag race podcasts (laughs) like recap podcast there's the one i really got into is race chasers with uh, alaska and willem it's awesome and it's super funny and they're just goofy goofy wonderful queens and it's it's it makes me happy so yeah that's awesome (laughs) bonus one oh yeah yeah, bonus oh i have a bonus one too kesha has a new album it's really great listen to it oh i haven't listened to it yet okay good because i adored her last album she's amazing i love her so much i'm such a big fan and i did not realize she had a new album and it came out in january and i was like how do i not know about this oh my god so that's my other thing yeah but yeah excellent so we got, you got so, there's so many, so many things that we talked about. So now you have lots more things to check out. Um, well, thank you for listening, yeah, podcast thanks. listeners. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah. If you want to, if you loved hanging out with us so much, you want to get in touch with us, um, you can tweet us at White Cane Pod. You can check us out on Instagram at Citizen White Cane. You can check out our Facebook, which is just Citizen White Cane. Um, and uh, you can also send us an email at citizenwhitecanepod at gmail.com and then another super cool thing that we want you to do is leave us a voice message which you can see find a link that's in the show notes um, to to send us that our way um, what what is your experience being a blind person? Did you, go, did you go to a blind school? Do you think that we shouldn't have them? What's your weird political beliefs that you can... I mean, maybe not that one, but yeah, if it's interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, so that the link is in the show notes. And then also, lastly, of course, our awesome theme song was by Lucia Fasano. Thank you, Lucia. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and thank you all for listening. And, and have a blind, blind week. Joy life. I don't know. There you go. I like that. Enjoy life. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) See you next week. See you next week. Bye. (laughs)